All right, friend, I know that you're not much of a like a foodie guy, correct? Um, yeah. So I, the analogy I had wanted to talk foodie to you. Foodie guy means like I don't have. You like this, food. I like food, but. But I you're not have, like a going out to get food all the time kind of guy. You go to the yeah. places you like. Yeah, exactly. I like to try new food and. Head, yeah. Right. So, okay. But you like food, right? Yeah. And you know the places that you but like. I, but I think is, I think the reason for that is because it's like, maybe the areas. It's like I go like. I don't know. If I don't feel safe, if I don't know the area, I go like, oh, I'd rather not just. What do you mean? I'd just rather not go. Where do you think I'm going to get food? I don't know. <laughs> oh, you think I'm going to places shooting, gun shooting and stuff? I'm like, man, these, <laughs> these uh, tacos are too good. I can't resist them. No, <laughs> come on, man. I'm scared. No, man, but, it, but my, my, my point is, like, so you like to eat food, though. Yeah. And you got your places that you like. Yes. And my question was to ask you, I guess we could take it away from food if, if it would help you better. But, like, how much are you willing to take? Because I, I know that you're not much of a foodie. Yeah. Like, you like food, but you might go, like, I can't, I, can't de- I can't deal with this. I'm not coming back here anymore. But if how good is the food to service ratio have to be to where you would, is there, is there a, a ratio that you go, no, nah, fuck that, I'm out? How, like, how high does it need to be? If the food is delicious? You'll deal with whatever. I'll deal with whatever. Anything, but like, like, okay, um, the the servers are too talkative. They come over like every five minutes. Mm, how's it going? Mm, good. You guys that's, enjoying everything? That, yeah, that's a little. That's a little annoying. Right. That's a little annoying. So, but that's not. But that's is that, not. Is that a deal breaker? Uh, you still. You got. They keep coming over. You got food in your mouth. Yeah. Like, mm, well. Mm, yeah. I, I, I'm well. Going, I'm going. It could. I don't say. I wouldn't say it's a deal breaker, but it is one of those places where it's like, if I was to recommend it to somebody, or if like if I was to come back, you warn time, them. I would go like, I. I like the place, but that, you know, the that way one service. Because I'm like, if we out, if I'm out with the wife, mm-hmm. you know, it's our night out, we don't yeah. have the kids, we don't have your time to talk or whatever. Yeah, people- I don't know why I keep coming over and interrupting our conversation. You guys, it's, very good, it's conversation. good, right? I yeah, told you. Like, I told you it was good. Yeah, yeah it's like, all right, you was over here two minutes ago. <laughs> I'm going to tip you, relax. The food's delicious. If I want something to drink, you, you uh-huh. refill a cup or whatever it is or whatever, but I'm, you, I'm, we good. Yeah. I'll, I'll call you over. I'll signal you right. if I need you to come over. You don't got to keep coming over, smiling. Yeah, I, I got you on the tip, dog. Relax. <laughs> okay, so that's not a deal breaker. Yeah. What about all the tables in the bar are lopsided, so they wobble? They wobble. Uh-huh. I hate that. Um, chairs. I don't want wobbly, wobbly chair or table. Wobbly chair. Nah, man. That's I'm, is that how about that? That would annoy. But me. the food. It's the food. Is it's the best. But, but it's not. It wouldn't make me go. I'm 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 out. Would you I'm get ready. it to go? Would you go? This food is amazing. I don't want to eat it in this atmosphere. No, because you where I, you gonna eat it at? Well, but the thing about it is, I'll, my situation is like you know, I'll time out with kids. Time I was limited. So right. I go, I go like some stuff. I go like I can. I don't like this table being wild, but, but I'll I deal can, with I it. I can deal with it. Okay. I don't okay. want to ruin a night because, like I told you before, like when I go out to eat, and the uh-huh. reason why I go to certain places, or if somebody like, hey, go places is good. If I go out. <laughs> Have a good time, and we say, "All right, let's go to this some this place." I go, "All right." If I go and the food is disgusting, I don't like it. You wasted my it. night. Is I'm I, now I have an attitude, and you don't get these. You can't just do this whenever right. you want to. Right now, and then I'm taking it on everybody else. Now I'm ruining everybody's <laughs> night. We go out, like me and stuff go out. I'm like, this food was disgusting. We had a great night. The food can ruin everything. Because yeah. I'll go. Because the thing is, like, I'll go. I don't like to try anything new because I don't know if it's gonna be bad. If it's gonna be good or bad. So I go like. All right, I'll try something new, and I'm like, I go see. This is why I don't try new shit because I don't like it. Now I have an, now I'm paid for this food. Man, I don't like. Mad. Now I have an attitude. Yeah. And now I'm, everybody else mad at me because now I have an attitude. If I don't go out, I want it the whole the whole out because I want to get dessert. Like now, if I can't, the meal ain't good. Yeah, you don't want to. I don't eat want dessert. no damn dessert. <laughs> 
I want to go home. Fuck this. And I'm leaving a negative Fuck number. you. Fuck everybody. Fuck everybody. I'm curse, curse people out and stuff. Like, friend, it's double date. Like, we're all just having. Nah, fuck that. It's no. I'm going home. Get your own ride home. You're like, y'all take her home. I'm going home now. I don't want to be out anymore. <laughs> That's crazy. And this damn table keeps wobbling. Now you now everything that you let slide right. is going starting to bother oh, you now. Man. Table been wobbling all night. Man, fuck that tip. Yeah, you're not getting no tips. <laughs> you t- take this tip. Yeah. Make some better food. Yeah. <laughs> I got a tip for you. Cook the damn fish. <laughs> Who wants to eat raw fish that you can see through? That's my tip for you. I'm going home. Yeah, obvious. We got a problem here. And it's more than just obvious dreaming punisher. When life begins to suck, who's reporting it? Luckily, you got two friends who you won't forget. Coming live, Alvin and friend on survival. Laughing nonstop, case drops on a cycle. Louder than intrusive thoughts off an iPhone. How they make the world seem bright with the lights off? AFs, it might as well stay up. Lies being told like that dinosaur BS. Magnifying glass to the ground if they don't see us. Having the time, roasting your favorite pizza. Bougie ain't an option, it's the way. Take it to the grave, have moving to the place. You already know when they take the case. Laugh the pain away, it's affirmative. Hello and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder, the equal opportunity true crime comedy podcast. I am Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. Oh yes, wait a minute, Mr. Postman. Yeah, man, I'm the mailman. Can't you tell, man? Gonna post it. What up? It's the first week of the month. I want to check in with you on the month of April. One to ten, how you doing? One um. Right now, mm-hmm. right now, just in, in in general, just in general. I, I will know, go. Man, don't don't hold me till you're in my house. You know, I don't yeah, got the stash, I, the snacks you go, like. I will go um, a seven. I'll go seven, seven. and I'll that's solid. Yeah, Some yeah. people might take that and, and feel alarmed, but seven, you're good. You're yeah, you're, you're good. Like yeah. you know, there's nothing super exciting happening right now. Nothing yeah. too bad. And I think that's how most people people should live in a seven. Yeah, because you know, a, a, a kid's birthday coming up or something like that. That might right. knock you up a little bit. Yeah, you know, uh, financial worries. You know, whatever family drama that might knock you down to a six, five, something like that. So yeah. I, a seven, I will accept that and think that, and say that that's good and hope that you know, with the spring coming around, we get you up to some eight days and some nine days, yeah. obviously. But seven, I'm happy to hear that you're at a seven. Yeah, I would say I would say I'm also at a seven. Okay, I was about to. I'm okay. going on a trip. Okay. Um, this week. A little mini vacation. Mm-hmm. So during that time, I think I'll be at like an eight. Same. You know, so, you know, yeah. you know, so those, those kind of things. I'm, a, I'm hovering at a seven right now. Eight, you know, to come. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm also doing good. Um, as far as the world is concerned, I don't know how the world is doing. It's all kind of stuff going on right now. Obviously, uh, uh, former El Presidente Donald Trumpito um, was indicted on some charges. He will be brought in any day now maybe right. as maybe as we're speaking he's being brought in obviously they're not going to do him they're not doing a perp walk just to show him some dignity and some respect as a former president they're not going to cuff him and have him walk okay. outside he's going to turn himself in the, the, yeah. they're going to print him and everything like that and then they're going to bond him out yeah and they, they won't see any jail time for this but it's the it's kind of the new cycle thing to talk about um and with that happening also there was another uh mass shooting yeah uh that's that's one reason why i'm at a seven yeah, because like we but isn't that crazy that it like it used to, it used to bring you down lower than that. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I'm a little desensitized to it. I mean, obviously it's, it's still a tragedy every time, yeah, but yeah. like it's not as shocking as it used to be. Sadly to say. But, yeah, I but, mean, like you know, because when it first happened, you know, I will be like, I'm at a five right now, only yeah. because it's because it's fresh and also and like you got kids and, and I got kids and 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 the mass shooting was you know in a elementary school type you know environment with mm-hmm. kids and you and that's like you know me and you have different stresses so it's like i have to i have a kid who's in school mm-hmm. who's 
prone to these type of situations that can happen. And that's, that's terrifying, mm-hmm. man. It's like somebody can just walk into a school and change your life, and change, change your a life bunch of people's lives and uh, a blink of an eye. And it's like, that's terrifying. And you can't be there to mm. help them. Mm-hmm. Right. So, cause like after this happened, just to give a little bit of insight, people that don't have kids after this happened they sent out a, a school message saying hey you know we're going to be practicing a it's just this like the second time i got the message practicing a um like if an intruder comes mm. into the school what you should do and like trying to explain that to a seven-year-old yeah. uh-huh. is like i mean they don't say this and you don't say this as a young kid but as a kid you go like okay well if this happened you just do this and it's like it's not that simple to explain to explain to like or there's like the to solve a problem yeah it's not that simple so you go, hey, you guys are going to be having a, you know, a lockdown just in case somebody comes into school. And she'll go, she'll ask, you know, okay, well, if that happens, well, I just stay home. And I was like, I, then you go like. Well, no, yeah, you, you, you would just be, it would be random. It would be random. Damn, you can't. Plan you, for it. You can't plan for that. And they go, and they'll just be like, all right, well, then, you know, you'll be there. And I was like, and I, I we won't, because it's like. Random is a, I think it's a. Um, That's a hard concept. It's to a get hard to. concept to, to play into. We had this discussion about when you, when you said Max was like, "Why don't you live with your dad?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's another one of those. It's, ones. it's a, it's a good question. It's like, it, what do you mean right. random? Like, every day I get up and go to school right. at the same time. Yeah, and yeah. What do you, what's, what do you mean random? Like, right. Somebody just might come in and there's no plan around it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like, so they, to her, it's like, okay, well, I just won't go to school. Like, well, you. You, you you're gonna be you you're gonna know. be there. You yeah. won't know yeah. mm-hmm. if this thing, if this whatever this is, happened because like now you got to go into like people just do people do bad stuff that you yeah. can't explain. It's like people like to people hurt people. Like that's and tough, it's like it's tough. a it's a very tough conversation. Why would they come in and hurt? What did I do? You're exactly. Like, and you go like, I was like, all right, well, so what you want to do is you want to they they do this to prepare you just in case this happens. And like, and I was like, okay, well, listen to the teacher, and like, so it's like, what do you do? So it's kind of like they've done it before. So mm-hmm. you ask them, like, what do you do if just, you know, doing this practice, doing this drill? It's like, okay, well, we hop, we're supposed to get down and hop behind our desk. So I guess they flipped. The, I don't know. I don't know. Or they hop behind the wall of the doors. It's like, got it. Because different. Because like now, in like elementary, I guess it's like pre-K. They didn't have lockers. They have like a closet room. Got which it. They were, but she's now she's in first grade, so it's like they don't have they have lockers now. So it's like there's no room inside the in the classroom where you can hide. So it was like, you're supposed to hide along the wall, the wall between the doors. So they can't, you gotcha. know, so it's like, see in there. Right. And, so it's like, it's a tough conversation. It makes you emotional. Yeah. That's like, they just don't, they just don't know. Yeah. It's like they have no idea of like, yeah, that's fucking tough. The man. shit that goes on in the world. And you got to try to explain it to them in like a way they can understand and kind of keep them calm. And then like, they shouldn't, they, they shouldn't know this. Yeah. Right. It's exactly. like, it's way too early to exactly. Yeah, it's terrifying. How do you do? Does do those emails about? Do that, how does that make you feel? Does that make you feel better? What like that they're being active, proactive, to, or like does it make you mad or scared? Or it makes you everything. 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 Yeah. It makes you everything. Because like we didn't. I don't remember us having those type. I remember fire, fire drills, mm-hmm. but we never had. I don't remember us doing drills of an intruder comes into school. Storm. I remember like a like a uh, a storm, like, like a, a tornado. Yeah, like a torna- yeah but so not like, an active shooter. Not drill. an active shooter drill. I don't remember us. That was after those. our time. After, but it's like, but it's at that time you go like when we we didn't have them. Like it could have happened, though. and we would and we wouldn't have been prepared, prepared for that. Mm-hmm. And that's hard to like trying to grasp your mind around and trying to explain this to a child. And I'm talking about high school. Yeah, that's right. what I mean. Like elementary school, there this should be a it should be a borderline impossible conversation because yeah, a kid right. should not under a kid shouldn't under, need to understand random violence. Right. 
And like you right. go to this place where we and it's probably conflicted in their mind because it's like we send you to this place not with us yes. because we trust this place. Right. And then you're having a conversation about someday possibly the place that we send you to every day, something really bad could happen at that place. Yeah. They might go, well, then how about we just don't go there? Like, we should exactly. just stop going exactly. there. Because like, then it makes you want to think like, okay, well, maybe homeschool, but like some people, me, or most people are not financially stable to do that's a, love, that's a, a, that's a purpose. school type of, type of environment. You, know, you, can't, you yeah. can't do that. Like, it's a privilege, sadly. Hey, so it's like, but then you go like, and also you want your kids to be socialized, like exactly. It's you want to be around a, people, yeah. Right. So, it's, but it's like, but it's like, is it? But then you think like, is it? Is it worth that yeah. though? It's like, is it? Maybe your kids a little, a, kids a little quieter, but they're safe. You know, they're safe. They're a lot, yeah. Right. Yeah, so they, damn, you know, yeah, so it's, that's that's a hard. But um, the reason why I want to talk about it because we, you know, when we come on here, we talk about you know um, police authority and stuff like that. We come over here, we'll you know we'll bash them if it's necessary, right? Mm-hmm. But I think also we should be just as loud. When we going to, to commend. commend them. So mm-hmm. I did want to commend the two officers, um, Rex Engelbert and uh, Michael Colazzo. Mm-hmm. If anybody's seen a video that they charged in there, they charged in there with organized, mm-hmm. organized, Plan. efficient. Mm-hmm. And like you can tell, even if they was like maybe they was in like, you know, uh, in the army or something like that before. But they, you could tell they were they were trained for they didn't a look situation lost. like this. they didn't look lost and like. Not the people that should be exactly there. Mm-hmm. trained. It was like okay, we know, and like if you read the comments, you go like, oh, these people were trained, and they were trained to go where you hear gunfire. You mm-hmm. go towards the gunfire, not away from. Checking they communi- communication, they arms and backs back. It's like the whole thing. I was like, what? they know what they're doing. Yeah, and they were, and it was quick, and they got it done. And then like, but I did want to commend them on that whole situation because I was like, they they deserve it. Yes, definitely deserve. Mm-hmm. It. We've seen situations where. At Stoneman Douglas, the security guard, I still don't even to this day know. He like was on lunch break or something. He just wasn't there or wouldn't go into the school. Um, there was that shooting in Texas where the, the officers were outside like arguing with the parents and they didn't want to go into the school. Gunfires in the background. You you sitting here arguing with me. Telling you telling the parent, like, no, you and they're like, I'll go in. Yeah. They're like, fuck no, that. yeah. You know, so that one that one to this day is <laughs> that one's a, that one's a hard one to watch for sure. Um, but this one, yeah, it was crazy. And when they got to the shooter, they were like shooting out of the window. Yeah. The crazy part is a lot of people now are just going, hey man, this is just, I see so many just people just throwing their hands up. People that we elect to be in like place positions of uh, power and making a, a living, making money, getting a paycheck from our taxes are going, well, listen, guns are here to stay. So what's there to do? Just kind of that. Like imagine that the day of, I know a lot of people are getting caught up in, I didn't even watch the clip. I'm gonna be honest, man. I don't keep up with Joe Biden, but apparently he came down and was like, oh, I heard his ice cream down here or whatever the fuck he said. And it's like, bro, there are people yeah. who also they're not the president, but, you know, that are in positions of power who are going, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to vote on legislation that makes it harder to put guns in the hands of, of people who are mentally unhealthy. And that's the other part is we every time now the new talking point to get us to the next news cycle is mental health. Right. Mm-hmm. But like. Why aren't we having conversations about making it harder to put the put guns in the hands of people that are mentally ill? That they go, guns don't kill people, people kill people. It's like, okay, well, if people are mentally ill, shouldn't it be harder for them to get guns? And it's like, well, you know, but if people's rights and you know, we do this and this, we we need to be making it harder to put guns in the hands of people. We need to be putting restrictions, uh, qualifications. You can't just go get a car. Yeah. You can't just go get a driver's. You can't just go drive a car. You gotta have a license. 
You got to renew your license. Yeah. You got to pass a test. All these things. I got rear-ended today. Dude had no insurance. None. You know? So I got to just take, I got to eat that. Yeah. That's not acceptable, right? I got to pay car insurance. Why isn't there fucking gun insurance? You kill, you leave your guns out and your gun is used by some kid or your kid to go kill somebody else. You should be liable for that. Yep. You should be paying a, a fucking if you want to own assault, assault weapons, you need to be paying a fucking insurance on that gun. Something. And if something goes bad, you get to you got to give restitution to that family. And that's just me spitballing ideas. I don't know if they're dumb or smart or whatever, but so, these people that we think are smart and we elect and stuff, they need to be having conversations like this. You know, like I, there needs to be better protections around getting these guns out of the hands of people that are sick. You beat your wife, you shouldn't have you shouldn't be able to own a gun. You know, there needs to be like undeniable an undeniable like 10 commandments of you don't you lose your second amendment right if you don't fit into this box of things that we need from you yeah i think if you're an upstanding citizen or if you're just a person in general who wants to protect their home you you should you should have a gun if that's what you want to have yeah but this idea that guns are fetishized and the, the guns this shoots a thousand bullets a second and it's, i just have it because the idea that you can go i just have this weapon of mass destru destruction because I, I like it yeah that's america you can get a gun that shoots a thousand. You can get all kind of guns, and you just go. I just think it's cool. That we live, we're, we're living like a Terminator rules, man. Yeah. Like, why? Why do you have sixty guns? Well, I like guns. I just like them, you know. I just like them. this one shoots like this. This one shoots like that. Like, yeah. that's not about protecting your home at that point. No. So it's a hobby. It sounds like a hobby. It's a hobby, and yeah. I think it's weird for guns to be a hobby. I, you know, I try not to judge people, but I, if I walk into your house and you got a gang of guns and you're just fucking itching to. Don't pull a gun out around me. Yeah. That's not how I like to live. That's not my life. Man, check it out. Hold it. Let me take the clip out. You hold it. You feel the weight? Nah, I'm cool. I'm yeah. going to get out of here. But it's just so many different ways that you can get a gun other than legally. For sure. And yeah. that's what and that's what kind of combats that your argument. With all these laws and everything. And all these laws. Because yeah. like, you can't. like Ghost your, guns. Your, your example for a car is like, you can't. You can buy a car. Mm -hmm. You can't make a car. You, you can't make a But you can like, if you buy a car, you can't just go and like. Put it on the street. You can't go driving. You yeah. need to get it. You need to get tags. tags. You got to mm. get titles. Like it's not. Yeah. Registration. Reg like, mm. right. You can't just like. You can do that with a gun. You can circumvent any of the stuff that but is you can't there. can't do that with a gun though. I mean, yeah, you can, right. You can't right. do it with a gun. You can, you can circumvent can, a registration exactly. and a yeah. license. Well, you can just get a gun and just like, well, I'll just, yeah, I just have a gun. I just, <laughs> Hopefully I just nobody have, catches me. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You just can't drive a car with no tags and go like. Yeah. Nobody's going to like, no, you will get. You, you fucking rear in somebody. Yeah. Yeah. No insurance. Oh fucking! If I find you, yeah, Gene. <laughs> God, <laughs> I curse him to the. I curse him to the day I die, bro. I, every time I say his name, a lightning bolt will strike. I uh, swear to God. You don't care? He's like, oh, that's not my name. So. <laughs> <laughs> he just gave me his name. He gave me some on a fucking. Name. You know the little piece of paper that comes out when you get a when you go into a parking garage. Yeah, yeah. I, he wrote it on that. No, his name means Gene. <laughs> no Definitely. last name, Gene. <laughs> Definitely name is not Gene. Gene. Area, area code wasn't even the state. I was like, he just made up some numbers. Made up some bullshit. <laughs> wow. No, but you're right. That's a good point as well. You know, yeah. and again, that's just I guess these are the conversations that always they come to a dead end and they come to a point where people get into arguments or they come to a point where people just kind of throw their hands up because yeah. it's like, well, there's a ton of guns on the on the street in this country that are unregistered too. Yeah, exactly. So but like what are other countries doing? Why can't you That's what I'm saying? I know I know the US is a big country, right? But for it to be leading in gun violence the way that it is, other countries must be doing something, right? Something. So I don't really know what the solution is, but, and we've had this discussion too, where you go, is the solution just, hey man, you fucking put a, 
police officer and a bulletproof vest and a, a ski mask yeah. and a AK-47 at the door. And Sophia has to walk past that guy every day. I don't. Yeah, that was like. It kind of makes you want to go like, should I have my own gun? It's like, I'm but not, how a, does that I'm not help a gun. You at- I'm, right. I'm not a gun person, but you go like, if these people can go around here and just get guns, like, then. And do crazy shit. Mm-hmm. Why you know? Why am I not protecting myself? Why am I not protecting myself? Why I gotta go through the hoops again? Mm-hmm. You have car insurance. Mm-hmm. Why do I have to go through the hoops to like get a gun to protect myself from these people that can just get a gun and just mm-hmm. like, just you know, just cause havoc and just wreak havoc yeah. everywhere they go? So it's like, it's defeating, right? That you go like you know because it's like you go out and it's like you never know. You always gotta be aware of your surroundings and exit plans and yeah and all types of shit. You go like, should I have? Like I said, I'm not a gun. Should I have my own gun to protect myself? Like, yeah. and I don't want to be walking around with a gun on my hip because of you're a black man in America. You know what I mean? So it's like for you specifically as yeah. well that idea. You know, because I get that. You know, you got things to protect, but I got you know I got to protect myself. Exactly. Know, I got, I got right. people I care about. Yeah. Um, and the idea that we can't just we. We can't live in, I don't think we can live in a fantasy land anymore where we go, well, we got to hope that uh, we pass a law or no. so, it, people keep dying. Yeah. So it does make you go, well, why the fuck am I just letting, I'm not, I'm not going to let them catch me. Exactly. Yeah. So I got to walk around with a yeah. gun. But then, I'm terrified of guns. I think if I have oh, one, wow. I will, I go like, I know how to use, I know how to shoot it. I have my gun permit, but it's like, I know how to shoot a gun, but it still makes me uncomfortable. Hell yeah. <laughs> it makes me super uncomfortable being around Hell. it because it's like, yeah. You can slip and just anything could happen. It's anything like, could go wrong, man. Guns terrify me. Yeah. So I was like, you can all like, the gun safety sh- in the world. Like, why shouldn't I have, like, if I need, if everybody can just have one and do crazy shit, I need one. Of, I need the same thing. Why am I letting these people have the com- upper hand on me? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm not going to catch nobody. I'm not letting nobody catch me lag. No. And that's the, that's the sad thought. But also at the same time, Philando Castile had a a gun license, a gun on him. Had his gun on him, told the police he had his gun on him, and they killed him in his car with his kid and his wife in the car. Crazy. So I also got to think about, oh, I'm not going to let some crazy mass shooter catch me slipping. If they try to pull out on me, I'm going to pull out on them first. And then I get pulled over because I got a taillight out. Yeah. And I got a gun on my hip because yeah. I'm walking around everywhere with a gun. And I got to tell a police officer, me, a fucking, I don't know, I'm not fucking, I'm not fucking Michael B. Jordan or nothing like that, but I got some size on me. I'm not, I'm not like a small guy. I'm not yeah. like a... They might look at me and see me as a threat. Yeah. And I gotta and I gotta tell them I got a gun on me. Yeah. And now shit has escalated. And I gotta deal with that might be the how I'm how my life ends. Cause I the irony of I was trying to protect myself in this world from this thing that seems like it happened so often, and that thing got me killed. Yeah. So yeah, I don't, you know, I, I can't tell you sit here. I know you got two kids and everything like that, but you're my best friend, right? Yeah. I don't I don't like the idea of you being out in public with a gun on your hip. Yeah. And somebody, the police run down on you or yeah. something and you got a you know you got a weapon on you got to try to explain that to them yeah that's we see how these itchy triggers you know i know we praise the police but i'm just saying we gotta gotta do both right yeah, yeah. Like we gotta do both we praise yeah, the police exactly. earlier but we gotta say i've seen a lot of itchy trigger fingers yeah and i'm not trying to be the guy with a gun on my hip i got a, my hands and yeah. or i go to grab my wallet and i go no no I, listen i got a gun on me but he's got a gun you know yeah, and yeah. i don't want to be in that situation because exactly. your life has gone that fast yeah and all you know is I got all the things I need on me to tell them everything is fine, but they're not trying to hear that. No. You can have all your paperwork in order and right. all that shit. It doesn't matter. They heard gun yeah. and saw you reach. Because the first thing that's going to happen in news is like, oh, well, he had a gun on He had a gun on like, And he reached weird. Well, yeah, justified. Yep, I'm yeah. never, I, I never want to, it's, it's sad that this happens to people, but I walk around in my life as, you know, I know we have these discussions about how we present ourselves and changing up our voice and shit yeah, like yeah. that. I walk around in this world every day with the knowledge or the intent 
to not be a justified murder on the news yeah. every day. I swear to God. Yeah. I know that that sounds crazy and fucked up or yeah. people might not believe that, but I walk around every day. I, I think about the kind of pictures I post online. Yep. I think about the kind of narratives that could be said about me by people that I've met in my life. And I live my life in a way that I go, if if something was to go wrong, even if it's not the police, yeah, if yeah. Any, I just end up in a, a, a terrible situation where I die, nobody would go, well, he must have been in the gang yeah. or he must have been yeah. a drug dealer or something like that because they just shot him in his car. Yeah. I, will not let, I will not let anybody... My mother, people that I love when I'm gone, see people talking about me like I'm not who I am on the internet. Yeah. Because that's the crazy world we live in. People yeah. can just say shit. Yeah. Well, also, is I also I think that, not to get too deep in that, but it's like, I think that's a type of this, like this calming type of strategy for, you know, for the, for the masses to go like, because when you hear somebody die and you go like, you know, what happened? And then you get the story and then you go, oh, this happened because of this, because he... Was in the game. You go okay. Well, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Well, people can, people can watch you. It's go fine. Like, yeah. Okay, I don't. I don't fit that. I don't need to have any empathy for this person. Exactly. Because I was like, oh, well, was, you know, what I'm saying, it's like, I don't. That's not me. That's, that's not something mm -hmm. I would do. So I don't have to worry about dying in that situation. Yeah. I'm not and in they the can, game. And they, right. And they mm -hmm. can, but they can. They put that out there, like you said. I don't want it to be. I don't want to be that guy where they can just find something and go like. Oh yeah, that's why he died. That's his this. fault. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's fine. Yeah, let's move on. Yeah, he deserved it. Or he, he brought it on himself. Yeah, or exactly. Yep. It's it's not going to be me. And so it makes me concerned because I know you. Yeah. And I know I will fight that narrative. Yeah. But if you as a guy. But one who, person saying that and then it's being spread to everybody mm -hmm. all over the world yeah. nationally. It's like. They're like he had a gun. He reached for a gun. And it was all. It's all because you wanted to protect your family. Yeah. Because of fucking school with kids and it got shot up last week. Yep. Of course, that's your first instinct to go. Well, shit. I mean. I can't let I can't take this line down. Yeah. I'm not gonna be outside of a school in Texas or in Baltimore and a police officer's telling me, Well, we're not going in right now. It's too crazy. It's like, I fucking you're not gonna tell me I can't go in and get my kids. Right. That's not happening. Yeah. Right. So I get it. I get that the the pushback of I'm gonna tool myself up. I'm gonna have my own weapon. But it, you also gotta think about your skin tone and yeah, man. the history of this country and walking around as a black man with a gun on your hip is kinda dangerous. It's kinda yeah. dangerous. Even though you got all your paperwork in order and everything like that, it doesn't matter. I think about Philando Castile every time I get that thought. Every time I get that thought, because I get the thought randomly too, where I go, I mean, like, you know, should I have a weapon in Going the like house? Maybe, yeah. or, you know, yeah, like yeah. maybe I should. And I go, they killed that man. Was a cafeteria worker. They shot that man with his baby in the backseat and his wife sitting next to him. Yeah. He died on FaceTime Live. I mean, on Facebook Live, telling somebody that he had a. A legal gun on him. Yeah. Trying to do the right thing. He could have tried. To, he could have just write my ticket. I won't even tell you I got a gun on you. I won't even bring it up. Yeah. He tried to do the right thing and say his, you know, because he asked his weapons in the car. I got a weapon on me, but it's, I got it. It's fine. As soon as he heard weapon on him, dreadlocks. No. Nah. Yep. Yep. Fuck that. Pulled out, shot him. It's crazy. So those are the things you got to think about. But I'm not here to bring anybody down, man. It's just, you know, how can you not when you're talking about kids getting shot in the school? So, um, that's what's happening in the world. That's some of me and Fran's thoughts on it. And, you know, we just got to try to do better and figure out, you know, where we go from here, what the world looks like from here, what we want the world to look like. And, yeah, man, a lot of tough conversations. That sucks, man. That, you know, that's a, that you have to, like, I remember, again, the conversation about Max being like, well, you know, I live with you. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you live with your dad? That's <laughs> right. funny. That's one of those funny moments yeah. like that, I, you know, I imagine a bit as a parent. But, yeah. like. Trying to explain to your kid a mass shooter and drills and what random is, random violence. And even that, like, 
Well, if it, if somebody was going to come in and do that, I just stay home. Yeah. It's like trying to explain to them, yeah. like, no, you won't be home, and I won't be there. Right. It just will be you will be in the ter- trying to ex- prepare a kid for the most terrifying situation, and then have to tell them all the things that you've instilled in them. Yeah, like, well, you'll be there. No, I won't. Yeah, I just won't go to school. Why would you send me somewhere dangerous? Well, you would be there. You yeah. would be in the worst, most scary situation possible, yep. and it would happen, and you just would need to know what to do. Yeah. It's, 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 like I said, it's a tough conversation. And then like, you know, I know my kids and just like seeing, especially doing, explaining it to Sophie mm-hmm. and she's like in, in school. Yeah. And then like, I've seen when Sophie's sad. Yeah. Like that. So when you get like, when you haven't had kids, but when you do have kids and you get into that, when you get that feeling of like them being scared mm-hmm. or somebody trying to hurt them, it's, it's just, it's a rage that you can't, I can't explain to you. Yeah. Like I will, I will turn I will flip this earth upside down yeah. for that child. So it was like. It's a it's a feeling you go like, just seeing them being like having the thought of them being scared. You can't be there. Yeah, I'm getting emotion just saying it, but for I mean sure. like, it's just like it's a hard. It's just it's a tough feeling, not just for her, just but for me. For sure. So it's like it's it's rough, man. Yeah. Having that conversation, and you shouldn't have to have. My, we never had. My dad never had that conversation no. with me. No, so it was like, Mm-mm. wasn't even crazy thought. how times change, man. And that wasn't even a thought, you know. Like you, um, I would say I have family members prepare me for. Traffic stops, yeah, things like that, yeah, normal things. But the idea that your parents today, you got to sit your kids down and go, "Hey, someday the worst thing in the world could happen, yep." And this is what you got to do, yeah. As a seven-year-old, an eight-year-old, a four, fifteen, fourteen, sixteen-year-old, yeah. you got to know, hide here, don't make noise, don't open the door if you don't know. We've seen videos like that. It's crazy. These kids are so in tune with technology that they're recording. During active shooting situations. And so you're hearing kids be, there's, you know, because also, I don't want to shit on kids, but kids are dumb. Yeah. So you got a room full of kids trying to follow the rules, and then somebody knocks on the door and, like, yo, it's the police. And they go, yo. And then that's, police don't say yo, yeah. but then one kid going, like, they said it's the police. Then you got to yell at a kid to yeah. be, but they're kids. Yeah. You can't expect the kid to have the composure of Keanu Reeves in a school shooting. Yeah. Somebody's going to be a kid and be like, help is here. Yeah. So the idea that I've seen videos of these shooters going to these schools and trying to trick people and open the doors up. Yep. And you got to you got to learn, you got to know to adjust your thinking in that situation as a kid and go, "Wait a minute, the police wouldn't say open the fucking door up, bro." Yeah. It's crazy, man. Like it, it, it and that's scary. So I I you know, I empathize for you. Those are tough conversations and um I don't know what's next, but we're gonna get into these shout. Out, we're gonna get into these Patreon shoutouts. I'm gonna go without the music right now. Just to, I always want to give people their shout. I don't always. I know you call me out, yeah. time, but I I want to give people their yeah. shoutouts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't really feel like queuing up the music after talking that serious. But real quick, um, we had another virtual house party. We had a great time. Had some great conversations with yeah, people. We got to be candid and have fun and, and and talk and be real about you know wanting to do better for the community that we're building and just and you know just how thankful we are for everybody. So yeah. I want to say that again. Here on Patreon, I mean, here on uh, the show, how thankful we are for everybody who supports us on the Patreon or not on the Patreon. We just are very thankful for the position that we're in and to have microphones in front of us and people listen to us when we talk, even if it's a small a small um, community. We, we appreciate it, appreciative of everybody. But um, uh, this month, is the month of April, my birthday's this month. Mm-hmm. So the, the virtual house party this month will be a little, a little birthday party. A little yeah. virtual birthday party. We're going to have people come through and we're going to have some 
birthday hats on yeah. if you want to come up i asked for, i requested for a friend to sing me the stevie wonder birthday uh, version of yeah. the happy birthday song uh maybe get some little cupcakes you know what i'm saying i had friend had some cu- cu- cupcakes at his house maybe have yeah. some cupcakes at my house and we just kick back and chill and, and, and have a good time so we would love to have you um these are patreon exclusive obviously but you know if you want to sign up or you already are signed up and haven't joined haven't come to one yet because you've been busy we'd love to have you it's going to be my birthday party so you know excited to uh, do that kick it with you guys later on this month and uh thank you guys for that but we're going to kick it off real quick with a big shout out to layel p shout out to layel p i hope i'm saying your name right if i'm not you know it's never personal uh you know it's never personal i'm never trying to hurt anybody's feelings ever in life um up next we got another Shout out this one. This person reached out to me personally to go, hey, say my fucking name right or it's going to be problems and repercussions and consequences. And so I want to give a big shout out to Maraid. OK, shout out to Maraid. They made sure to tell me it's like parade, but with an M, which is a very easy way to I can I can get down with that. I can. Yeah. Yeah. I've never heard of it. I want Maraid. I'll ask you, what is the what's the origins of that? Maybe that was in the message too. I might have forgot. I haven't. I haven't looked at the message in a oh, couple okay. of days, so they might have told me where it's from. But if you did, don't even worry about it. You don't got to follow up. I'll look at the message again. But shout out to Maraid. Up next, we got a shout out to Michelle D. Shout out to Michelle D. Much love and appreciation to you. Thank you for the support. We are very grateful, and you know what it is. And lastly, we got a shout out to Susan V. Shout out to Susan V. We are V as in very. Thankful for your support and hope that you are enjoying some of the content that's on there. We got, uh, you know, some stuff from the past. We got some stuff coming in the future. And we hope that you enjoy those things. Um, what we're going to do, though, is we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get to some fucked up shit. So stick around. All right, and we are back. Fran, uh, my affirmative murder this week is a story that I just found out about this week. I had to dive into it because it was one of the most unbelievable miscarriages of justice that I've heard of. Mm-hmm. And so, and then when I dove even further into it, it got even crazier. And uh, so I felt like people should know about this and be as in awe as I am. So my affirmative murder this week is the story of Sidney Holmes. Okay. So at around 6.30 p.m. on Father's Day on June 19th of 1988, 20-year-old Vincent Wright and his 17-year-old girlfriend, Anicia Johnson, pulled into a convenience store in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Wright knelt by the right rear car uh, tire to put some air in it. So Mm -hmm. they pulled over because they they had a flat on the passenger side back tire. Okay. So Wright, you know, got out, put some air in his tire, and Anicia stayed in the passenger seat with the doors locked. Mm Mm-hmm. As Wright was talking to a man that he only knew as Tommy, he saw two men approaching him, one of whom was putting a clip into a semi-automatic pistol, like running down on him, strapping up. Yeah. So you already know they're not coming to sell you Girl Scout cookies. Like they're coming. This is not a friendly conversation that's happening. I'd be shocked if it was. They're like, hey, man, do hey you man, want a so gun? Before jog. Yeah, they're like, putting it away. It's like, <laughs> yeah, like, oh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm got to go shoot a bear. I just, hey, man, uh, you see the game last night? Yeah. No, it was unlikely. I'm terrified. Yeah. You go, oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, no, man, this is just, no, this is just a prop gun. <laughs> We're shooting a movie down the street. Yeah. You want to be in a movie? You're like, yeah. uh, I could just what couldn't the see fuck that. Just happened, couldn't man. see that scenario turning out to be you're wrong. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I just, the odds of you being wrong on that one are very low. And, yeah. and they, they were, he was right. This was a bad situation. Yeah. So one of the assailants put the gun to Wright's head and said, give it up. Mm. The other man also holding the gun said, shoot him. Damn. So 
maybe they were playing a good robber, bad robber type of thing. Like, I'm the good guy. I'm going to play bad, and then he'll give us. What I'll we go. Want. You don't have to do that. Yeah, you don't have to do anything, man. Yeah. But but here's the thing. You. <laughs> This is a bad situation because they say that and you go, you don't have to do anything, but I don't have any money because that's what happened. He didn't have anything to give them. Are you being honest? Yes. You don't have to do that, man, but I don't have anything <laughs> either. So, you know, you're killing me for nothing. If I had it, I would give it to you. Oh, yeah. That's the best you go for. Like You don't have to do it. I would give it to you, but I don't. I, I don't, don't have though. It. I don't have anything. I'm broke too. You know what I'm trying to laugh with him. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm broke too. Maybe I should, maybe I should take up Robin too. You, you know, it's hard. <laughs> And they go, you know what, man? Here. And they give you the gun and like, you, you can join us. And then it turned out, everything was fine. That's the end of the story. That's my affirmative murder. This <laughs> <laughs> they started a posse. <laughs> so yeah, so they, uh, you know, they're playing this good robber, bad robber thing. And then one of the gun- gunmen went to the passenger side of the car and demanded that Johnson roll the window down and give her her money. And she said, I don't have any money either. So in the middle of all this chaos of, you know, you got one guy at the, the driver's side or the passenger side window. You got another guy with the gun to the other young man's uh, head telling him that he wants his money. A brown car pulls up and a man steps out and he tells the two gunmen to just take Wright's car, which was a silver 1983 Mercury Cougar. And then he added on top of that, I'll get with y'all later on and I'll meet you up there. Okay. Almost as if he's like the leaderism. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Johnson unlocked the car and got out. The two men got in the car and sped off, and then Johnson called 911. At about the same time, a friend of Wright's pulled into the convenience store, and Wright got into his friend's car as they drove and then ended up being involved in a failed attempt to catch up with Wright's car. Fuck that. Which I'm kind of like, what do you want me to do? My bro, it's a convenience store. I was like, bro, I just pulled up here to get some condoms and a Snickers bar, maybe a little soda pop. You want me to do what? They had guns. That's the... Like, man, motherfucker stole my car. They put a gun in my face. They did a what? Hey, bro, get out. Love you, bro. I, chemistry class, high school, it was fun times and everything like that. Get out of my car, bro. You want me to chase a car yeah, with guns, armed robbers in it? Yeah. Got me fucked I'm up. I'm kicking you out. How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, I'm an upstanding member of society, bro. I'm not going to just, I don't do things like this. Sunday, I'm having a good day. Yeah, like, fucking, <laughs> oh, man. Got here. I got the lady back in the house. She told me, come just, you know, come good get luck. some little, you know. Yeah. <laughs> a couple of dollars in, man. Good luck, man. Get you back on your feet, man. I don't know. Go in there and get you some soda pop for you and your lady. You know, <laughs> she's sitting on the curb, you know. <laughs> Sorry your car got taken, but, you know, go ahead and get y'all some <laughs> little candy or something yeah. like that. That's the best I can do for you. So, Johnson told the police that the first two men who approached her were black. She said the man who came to the driver's side or to the passenger side car was red and light skin. You know, he was, he was red, red bone man. I don't think they use that term for men, but you know, maybe they didn't. It's derogatory when you call it. You're you're calling them like a bitch, <laughs> red bone, and that's really? that's meant for like pretty girls. Yeah, you don't call a dude a red bone. Yeah, you know, at least I don't. I don't know. That's, <laughs> well, it's just a term for light skin, though, right? Light skin. It's the same yeah, thing. Yeah. It's just, it's interchangeable, but yeah. like red bone is more like you know what's up, red. What's up, red? Yeah, still a girl, yeah. That's still a girl. You don't be like, what are you like, man? Yeah, he's a, he was a red. Like we got, we got a light skin friend. Like yeah, he's a red bone. Yeah, we're saying that to be funny or like disrespectful. <laughs> right. It's not to be like complimentary of that person. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he's mad red bone. You know, real nice features. You're like, well, hey man, are you are you good? You good. Right. No, he's just cool. He's just cool. You know, he's good at basketball. He's just a good guy. He's a good guy. Um. So she did not describe the third man or the car that arrived during the shakedown. Mm. Wright, meaning Vincent Wright, the, the owner of the car, did not talk to police until June 28th, nine days later. It was exactly nine days later. And he described the first man to approach him as having a mustache and wearing jeans and a black shirt. 
He described the second man as red or very light skinned and being short. He did not describe the, so he did it. He yeah, said he was red. Keep going. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this guy's super red. He had like hazel <laughs> eyes. You're like, all right, I mean, what's up? Are you guys good? Or no, I'm just saying he was striking. He had like those <laughs> almond eyes, like Prince. I don't know. So he had like almond eyes. He's talking to the uh, the um the sketch artist. Yeah. He's like, he had like these pouty lips. You're like, very descriptive. Yeah, like, <laughs> eyes you could just like, get lost in and like, you know. Why are your descriptions all in the nose? <laughs> yes. like, why is this? It's so favorable and nice. He had like this one little curl. He had a curly hair, but he had one curl that was kind of a nice trellis. Little, yeah, he had a nice little smile dimple. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <his left cheek. laughs> he had one dimple. Really could just, you know, you could, you could, fit, a, you could fit a quarter in it. You're like, oh, like, all right. What? <laughs> Did this guy? Oh, this guy put a gun in your face, right? Like, oh, we catch him boy. Like, <laughs> what, what's the reason why we trying yeah, to find this man? <laughs> yeah, I thought this was from you know uh, they used to do those things in newspapers where um, it's like uh, missing. Oh, I forgot what it's called. Damn, it would be so much funnier if I knew what it was called. But you you could you could put an ad in the newspaper like I saw you at a grocery store. I see, they still do that on Craigslist. They I do. See that. <laughs> I said I saw one of it. Yeah, you were super cute. You had on a green yeah. dress. Like, are I saw we doing you looking for coffee? I yeah, know. like, is this a missing persons what? report? Or yeah. Are you doing one of those? You trying to find this guy? Like, to right. take him on a date? Right. <laughs> so, uh, <That's> yeah, <laughs> they described him as uh, light skinned The other guy is light skinned and short, and he did not describe the car that pulled up until a month later. So, nine days after the initial robbery, he comes in and describes the robbers, and then another month after that, he doesn't even. So now all this time has passed for him to be able to remember what the car looked like that pulled up real quick and said, "Hey, take the car and then drive away." Yeah. So I didn't give the description to that of that until another month later, where he only had all the information that he had at that point was that the car was brown. Okay. So after the robbery, Wright detailed what had occurred to his brother Milton, but said that there were four perpetrators. Milton said that four men had attempted to rob him earlier on Father's Day as well, where he described himself as being stopped at a traffic light about five minutes from the very convenience store where Vincent and, and Anicia were ambushed. So there he so Vincent is telling his brother, like, I forgot to tell you, man, you know, my car got stolen, da 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 And he goes, and it was four dudes. And then Milton goes, What? I got robbed by four dudes. Or some four dudes. They didn't rob him because he got away. But four dudes tried to steal my car. And I got away. Yeah. And I was only like five minutes from where you were. So maybe the guys, the four guys that, so now so we only described, just, three guys were only described right, initially. So, so did the guy say it was three and then he, his brother said it was four? He, no, the, I think what happened was so much time. And also that's, that's, okay. I can't, because what could have happened also, because it's all, this is it, convoluted witness descriptions, witness testimony, people mm -hmm. being influenced by other people. What could have happened is Milton told Vincent, I got robbed by four guys. And now Milton goes, Damn, was it four guys that robbed me? So now he's stuck. On, now four is in his head, yeah. even though it was only three guys yeah. that we know. Yeah. You know, so now it becomes four. And, it, and now you go four and your brother got attacked by four. So now now you guys playing couch detective go, maybe it was the same people. Was, yeah. So whatever car his brother saw, he goes, well, maybe the car that you saw, because his brother got a good description of the car. So it's like, well, if it was the same people, it was the same car. Yeah. So now you're locked in on the, the description that Milton's giving you about the car he saw, but it's not for sure that that's the same car. Right. So anyway, so keep that in mind. Like I said, uh, Milton is telling his brother Vincent, Vincent being the guy that was involved in the attack at the convenience store, he's telling, Milton, he's telling Vincent about how he was attacked. What Milton said happened to him was, he said three men got out of a car which was also stopped at the light that he was stopped at, and they started shooting at him immediately. Dang. He said that he slammed on the gas and managed to drive away. Milton said that the men were in a 1970 to 1979 Oldsmobile that was one color and had a hole in the trunk 
where the lock would be. Okay. Almost like uh, the DC sniper. Right. But not for that in, in purpose, yeah, but yeah. the lock was busted out. Yeah. Like he had to break into his own trunk or break into a trunk. Maybe the car was stolen. But the lock was the lock hole was a hole instead of a lock. So Milton believed that the men who tried to rob him were the same men who took who took Vincent's car. And so he began looking for perpetrators. And so he began looking for the perpetrator's car. And at one point, he wrote down a license plate number of a possible vehicle that fit the description of the car that he saw. Because he did not see the guy that the guys that took Vincent's car, the guy that pulled up to the he didn't see any of that. So he's looking for the car that he saw. Keep in mind. He's looking at a car through a, win- a rear view window as he's being shot at. Yeah. So how much do you even know that you right. saw the color and all this stuff? So he took down the license plate number of a car that he saw that he thought matched the description of the car that he saw. He gave that plate number to Vincent, who gave that plate number to the police. That car was eliminated as a suspect by the police. So they looked into it and they were like, no, this doesn't match the description that you gave us. On July 1st, 1988, Milton pulled up behind a brown Oldsmobile Cutlass driven by 22-year-old Sidney Holmes. Although the lock was intact in the trunk, Milton took down the license plate number, believing that this was the car that attacked him, and so it also had to be the car that attacked his brother, and that the perpetrators probably had just gotten the lock fixed. After determining that the car was owned by Holmes, police created a photographic lineup containing a photo of Holmes from 1984. It's now 1989. So containing a photo of Holmes from 1984 when he had been arrested for two robberies in which he was the driver. So he does have a prior arrest arrest record for similar crimes. So that already is a red flag and, you know, makes him a suspect. But, yeah, they put it. They put his photo in a lineup and Vincent viewed the lineup but did not make an identification. So he didn't pick him out of the lineup. And then on July 14th, 1988, police asked Holmes to come in for an interview. He wasn't arrested. He wasn't brought in. They asked him to come down and he obliged, which I would never do. I've seen too many documentaries. I wouldn't like, no, no, you can talk to my lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. You can talk to my lawyer. I'm not just talking to you guys on police. Never just want to talk to you in an interrogation room casually. Everything you say can be used against you in the court of law. They tell it to you. It means something. So don't come in there and there's everything they're asking is for a reason. So you can slip up and say something that now makes you a suspect. So I'm not, don't do it. But they asked him to come down for an interview He agreed. And when he came down, he complied with everything that they were asking for and allowed them to take a photograph of him because he was confident that he he would be eliminated from involvement in a crime that he asserted that he did not commit. So the only photo that they had of him was from 1984. But because he was so confident, like I didn't do anything. He let them take a picture of him right there in that moment Mm. of him in 1988. So four years later, different facial hair, whatever. He just looks a little bit different. Yeah. Now what happened was on July 25th, they brought Vincent back in. They showed him a second photo lineup, this time containing the recent photo of Sidney Holmes. Now, Fran, what is already one problem you can think of with doing that? So he brought him in with a new with a new picture, or just like him just now. Like a recent picture. A recent picture. In a photo lineup. Right. What did he want to he He looks different. He looks different, but not that different. And he's the only person in this lineup that they showed twice. So if you remember the first photo lineup and you see this guy again, you go, this guy, you start playing your own little, whether it's subconscious, whether it's on purpose, you go, if they're showing me this guy again, he's probably, he's probably the guy. I ain't thinking that. Mm, got you. Right. So, and all this stuff goes into play down the line. But would that, would, would you fall for that though? I think I would. 
If you show me a guy, like the guy, the, like, the hypothetical robber we just described is yeah. like this almond-eyed, quarter-dimple, curly-haired robber. Yeah. And you show me a lineup with that person in it. And then you show me another lineup a couple weeks later with the same guy, but now he cut the curls off, or but the eyes are still the same. Yeah. Something that I go, I've seen this guy in the lineup. In the last, I saw this guy in the last lineup. I would go, well, if they're showing me him, they're showing me him for a reason. But also, it would also have to be... If I said the guy that robbed me was black and the guy that I see in both lineups is white, I go, it doesn't matter. Yeah. He was in the other lineup, but this ain't the guy. But if he does match the, the description I have in my head enough and I see him twice, I go, well, I said a guy with almond eyes and a curly hair and a quarter dimple smile robbed me. And I seen this guy in both the lineups. So this must be the guy. I can see that working on me, you know, and working, working asserts that it was intentional i do think it was intentional on the part of the, sure. of the detectives but it asserts that it was like a, a trick and I'm, so i don't want to say that confidently but i'll get into why i feel like it was done on purpose mm -hmm. when we get to the end of the story so i'll continue so like i said they bring vincent and they show him a second lineup the only person that was in both lineups was sydney holmes even though they he, he agreed like i said to take a more recent photo of himself for the lineup so it was different, but not that different. Four years. Okay. So Vincent identified Holmes as the third man, the man that pulled up in the car and basically gave the order for the other two guys to steal the car. Okay. So they, he fingered him as like the ringleader, basically. Yeah. This lineup would also, I, I know I, I pointed out one flaw before, but this lineup would also later on be criticized by eyewitness identification experts because the photograph of Holmes had a darker background than the other photographs. And because Holmes was looking down while all the others in the in the lineup were looking straight ahead, so they took um, like line, like you know in, like uh, intake photos because yeah. they had been processed and arrested for a crime. So his first photo was that you know look straight, turn to the side, one of those photos. Yeah. But his second photo was just during the interview where he just his body language was a guy who was in for an interview, not really caring. And so, but was it a picture he was aware of? Yes, he agreed. Okay, okay gotcha. But but the point is, if every other photo you can see the six foot size and the, yeah. all that shit, and then this. He just look. He just keeps standing out. He's already the the guy that's in the photo in the photo lineup twice, and now his picture looks different than everybody. Everybody else is straight ahead, neutral face, and then this guy is like his body language is a little bit off from everybody else's picture. Yeah. So he stands out. You know, it's the same reason when you go into a courtroom, they make sure the prosecution side and the defense side is exactly the same, because it it needs to be balanced. Yeah. If you're trying to, if you want me to recall from my memory somebody, you can't have everybody else. Uh, taking regular photos and then one guy has a kazoo in his mouth yeah it's just, it's gonna stand out you're gonna go what's who's this guy like this guy he, something's making him stand out to me so like i said when you accompany uh how his photo looks with everybody else's photos the fact that he was in both lineups he was the only person that was in both lineups and just the overall quality of the photo which again makes it stand out in the lineup you know these things were criticized by experts as to being completely flawed and would never happen today. Vincent's description of the man who came out of the car and ordered the first two men to take the car had become more detailed over time because now he's had more time to like be influenced by society yeah. and his brother and like his own memory and maybe his girlfriend and people can just like add into it. So now Vincent, who was five foot eight, said that the man who got out of the car was about five foot six, dark skinned and muscle bound or heavy set. And had big lips. Holmes was six foot tall and weighed 183 pounds. Now, I weigh about 190 right now. And I, I'm 5'8". 
I'm a I'm a I'm a stockier guy. Six feet and one eighty three is kind of string beanish. Yeah. Not you're not. Not string beanish, but lean. Yeah. Not muscle. I wouldn't describe a six foot guy that's 183, 180 anything as muscle bound. Right. So, and six feet and five, six. These are just things you don't, you don't mistake. Right. I've no, no guy that's five, six has ever been taken for six feet tall. It just has never happened. I don't care if you were a little bit down the street. <laughs> like yeah. you, you, you know, the difference between a guy that's five, six and six feet tall. Yeah. Right. So again, that's how he described his, the assailant who got out of the car and gave the order. A five foot six, stocky, bulldoggy kind of guy. And here we have Sidney Holmes, who is six feet tall and 183. So already, now is he dark skinned? He's a dark skinned guy. And does he have full lips? I mean, you know, a little bit. That's black people. We got some descriptors like that. You know, black people have full lips. Mm-hmm. So, but as, as we've both have seen in stories like this before, when the, identification is incumbent upon people who aren't black, i.e. the detectives involved, everything's exaggerated. You know, so big lips is like anybody who's black who has lips is like, well, those are big lips. Yeah. And it's like, you can't differentiate that story. I did about the guy who, uh, he had the same name as a guy and he was in prison and this, that, and the third. And when I put that up, the guy, um, cotton, Ronald cotton. Yeah. yeah. The one I wrote the book, the whole book. Yeah, Yeah. Picking cotton. Um, when I put the picture of him and then the guy he met in prison who ended up being the guy that did it, committed the crime, when yeah. I put that up on Instagram, everybody was like, this is unbelievable. Yeah, no similarities at all. At all. You said it in the yeah. moment when I showed you, you know? So it just is hard when you have to rely on people who just don't see those subtle details. Yeah, he's black. Cause it, yeah, yeah. yeah. He look alike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he looks alike. Yeah. Skin's dark, dark, you know? Yeah. Hey. Michael B. Jordan, Samuel Jackson. You know, it's like, I think that's crazy, but there might be somebody out there that's like, I don't know, black, black, uh, smooth, I don't know. So, uh, Vincent, like I said, he described uh, how the third man looked, and he also remained consistent with the car being brown. So, that was what he said originally. Now, months have gone by. He's, you know, it's gone from three guys to four guys. Things have changed around, but the car being brown has always been a consistency for him. Hmm. On October 6th, 1988, Holmes was arrested on a charge of robbery with a firearm. And on October 20th, 1988, Holmes stood in a live lineup. Vincent identified him as the third man, and the two armed men who first confronted him were never apprehended. Wow. They, did, I, did they still do that? Did I share that before? Like live lineups? Yeah. Um, I don't know the answer to that, if they still do, but I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, people still commit crimes. I don't know how. Why, that seems like something that why would you change it? Because if. Everything's it on works. computer now? I don't know. Technology? I, I mean, I'm sure they obviously they definitely still do photo lineups. But I don't know if they still do the come in, say, give it up, say, shoot him, the things that he that were said to Vincent. Yeah. Number three, you step up. Now you say it. I don't know if that's still a thing. If we have any t- detectives or police that listen to this. They would, told me to say that. I would, I would say it. As differently. Right. I would, yeah, like, I would say I like the Hamburglar. You know, I'd be saying it crazy. Yeah. Get, get it's it like up. Kermit the Frog. Yeah. Give it up. Yeah. They're like, there's no way Patrick Mahomes robbed this guy. Like, I'm like, give up your money now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to prison. You're not going to hear my real voice. <laughs> right. So in January of 1989, Vincent testified during a pretrial deposition that the car was a brown Oldsmobile with a hole in the trunk. Okay. Now, that is directly from his brother's description of what happened to him. 
Yeah. So now the car has a hole in the trunk. Yeah, but his brother didn't pick a color though. He his brother said, didn't pick. He just a color. said one color. He said it was one color, and it was a different car. It wasn't the same car. That was a different car. Well, the, he said it was Oldsmobile, but it was old Oldsmobile Cutlass. And so it was, it was a Mercury, right? It was. Uh, Does make that up? No, you're right. It was a Mercury Cougar. Yeah. It was a Mercury Cougar. A Mercury Cougar is a fucking. I thought the Mercury Cougar was a, a Tudo car. So there you go, right? So the, it went from being a Mercury Cougar to a uh, Oldsmobile Cutlass with a hole in the back of the uh, trunk thing. Again, this is how influence. Yeah. And your mind can just change around. And this is why witness testimony is unreliable. And this is all they have at this point. Yeah. This is all that Sidney Holmes is, is arrested on and not facing a trial on is a witness testimony hmm. that has actively in the court documents changed. Yeah. But that's on his, again, it's not what you know, it's what you can prove and it's what you can afford. And if his defense isn't pointing out that his testimony is changing. First he said it was this, three guys, four guys. If they're not pointing that out and they're just letting stuff go by, all this stuff sounds bad because yeah. the guy's sounding confident when he says it. And, and, and Vincent's the victim here, so let's be clear. Like, his car was stolen, but I'm just saying, my life's on the line. So you better point out that this guy, like, his story keeps kind of changing a little bit. Like, and these details matter. The car being brown or the type of car that it is, that matters. If, you, if I say a Chevy Silverado robbed me and then it's like, no, it was a, a Tesla... That's uh, that's big. Yeah, you can't just you can't just change like you can't just change like that. Yeah. So like I said, uh, Vincent is now on on the stand during a pretrial deposition saying that well, the car that robbed him was a brown Oldsmobile with a with a hole in the trunk, which is the car that had attacked his brother. Anicia Johnson during her pretrial deposition said that the car was rust or beige colored, and was a Cutlass Supreme or a Buick Regal. So she mm. also. Is describing like a sedan, but a it's big, brown. a big body, big body type sedan too. But brown, beige, rusty, whatever. Yeah. That's different. But that's also different than Milton's description, which one color. Yeah, rusty's two tone. Yeah, you know. So again, everybody's. It's one of those things where it's like, uh, it was a brown sedan. It was a tan coupe. It was a beige truck, and it's like they're all. Kind of close, it's not that far off, but different. But they're yeah. all different. If you're gonna put somebody in prison over it, yeah, yeah. it's different. Yeah, yeah, it's different. But I mean, the color you can go, it's not like color you can. It's not on color you can forgive. Yeah, yeah. The sh a completely different a shape, like a sedan. Yeah. It's like so Holmes went to trial in Broward County on April 24th of 1989. The prosecution's case relied almost solely on Vincent's identification. Vincent testified that the car was a light was light brown with a cream colored roof. So now it's changed a little bit again. Mm. His brother said it was one color. Yeah. Now he's saying it was light brown, but the roof was cream. Anicia Johnson never made an identification of Holmes. So there was two witnesses there, but only one person has a description. She had been unable to identify him in a photographic lineup and never came to the police station to view a live lineup. So they okay. again, you got to make your case, right? The prosecution keyed in on the witness, eliminated the other witness because they couldn't say the things that they needed her to say. Yeah. And they go, this is our star witness. And we will not ask her to do anything because anything that she says will conflict with he's saying. Yeah. So we're going to bury her, hmm. not bring her up, which is the thing that happens. You bring a guy in that says this, but if you go, but you go, wait, so there was another guy there that said the complete opposite of this guy? You go, yeah, well, we aren't going to ask him any questions. And if the defense doesn't do that, you're fucked. Yeah. So 
The defense could have asked Anicia to come up on the stand and, and give her description of things, what the car looked like, what the driver looks like. And she goes, I didn't see him at all. And the car that I'm describing looks a little bit different than what he's describing. But I guess they felt like that was not the move they wanted to make. Maybe they thought it would have been worse for him, which I'll get to you. How could it be worse for him when I get to you, when I get to his conviction? So just st- stick to that. When I say that, when I go, the defense maybe didn't do this move or that move because they thought it might hurt him in the end. Keep that in mind. It's kind of like a, whenever I hear these cases like this, uh-huh. it's kind of like a, um, whoever's the head of the prosecution or the defense team is like a coach. So it's like, yeah. you can get out coached. Oh yeah. Oh, by, for sure. By the other know, team. If you don't make the, cert- if you don't make the removal sure. moves that you need to make to be like, to kind of combat what they, whatever yes. they're doing. If you just Absolutely. like, that's what, that's what a trial lose. is. <laughs> that's crazy. But that's what a trial yeah. is. It's like, you're innocent. Yeah. But they, we got out coached. Yep. You're, that's the go to jail for the rest of your life or for 20 years or whatever. And you go, I didn't do this. Go, yeah. I know, but they had a hell of a night, man. I mean, they put up 50, you know, they're like, <laughs> then they brought out the, they brought out papers and they did a glove thing. Can you imagine what the fucking, um, Chris Dorner and the other lady from the other side, what they, what they fucking did when they, when they, they went out on a limb on yeah. a coaching decision and were like, have them put the glove on. Yeah. And when that glove didn't fit Johnny Cochran, you know, he's, yeah, yeah. If you could see inside him, he sat back in the seat. Was like, got him. Yep, that's a game winner right there. That's a that's a, that's a buzzer beater three. And then OJ put the extra sauce on and put his hands up. Like, these clearly these aren't my gloves. <laughs> that's great. That's all that acting he did. He's like, I mean, look, his whole the whole second palm half of his palm is, is out. He's out like, yeah, he did the, he he did the thing where he waved, showed the back of his hands and the front of his hands like he was a magician. He's like, come on, guys. I mean, what are we doing? Dude, that was it. They that's it. it. It's over with. You know. So you're sometimes you make a bad coaching decision. But that's what it is. It's, it's me against you. Are you more prepared than me? You got better tricks up your sleeve than me. If not, I don't care how innocent you are. Yeah. I did a better job than you. You're going to fucking prison. So uh, the, de- the defense presented four alibi witnesses who testified that Holmes, keep in mind, was at his parents' home on Father's Day because that's the day that this happened. Mm-hmm. They, four people came and said he was with us at his father's house on Father's Day enjoying Father's Day. Yeah. Um. They said that he was there well into the evening and past the time that the robbery occurred. Four people placing you somewhere not where the robbery happened at the time the robbery was happening. Another point, friend, that I believe is important that was never brought up by the defense is that Holmes never claimed to know who the robbers were in, 1990, in the 1999 case, which was very unlike his previous case in 1984. Like I said, that was the picture they used was from a robbery that he got arrested for in 1984. Yeah. And in that case... He gave statements against every other person involved in the case. So Sidney Holmes is no stranger to telling on people. And in this case, he didn't, which I believe lends to his credibility despite him being a habitual defender. Now, let me explain. He got arrested for the same crime five years prior Mm -hmm. and told on everybody. Yeah. And now they're trying to make it out like, oh, now he's he's, he's, he's being a a tough gangster guy and doesn't want to rat on his guys like but he did he already did he already did that so you have to why wouldn't the defense go your honor we have evidence the he was he was arrested for this before and he cooperated with the state perfectly fine and now he's not so it just goes against his character as a as a criminal (laughs) basically basically like yeah listen this guy's a snitch yeah and you can't just like not do it now yeah it's like you snitch once it's not like Oh, I'm never. I'm not gonna break right. street code again. Too late. No, you already broke street code, man. <laughs> so he already broke street code. I feel like if you're a defense, you should bring that up. But if you don't, I mean, you're not prepared. 
you're not, you're not doing a good job coaching. Mm. That's because as I'm not an attorney, I don't know, but I feel like if I'm an attorney and I go, oh, my, my client is a snitch. If they're trying to say he's not, because they never apprehended the two guys that rolled up with the yeah. guns, and they're, the prosecution is basically saying he's protecting them. And I go, Your Honor, this guy's Takashi. Like, this guy, <laughs> this guy will tell on you in a heartbeat. Yeah. Like, why aren't, you, why aren't you as a defense team? Maybe he goes, I don't want y'all to make me out to, I doubt that though. I'm not going to let y'all call me a snitch. I'm like, man, we're trying to, we're trying to get you home. Yeah. I will call you whatever I need yeah. to call you to get you home. Beggars can't be choosers, man. You can't man, look, man, <laughs> you're facing a lot of time. I will call you a snitch to your face in front of the whole jury and you will accept it. <laughs> right. Like, I would. If I'm the, if I'm the lawyer, no, I'm, I'm, that's what I'm, that's one of my biggest arguments As I go, your honor, he can't tell you who did this because he wasn't there. Yeah. Because if he could tell you, he would because he's done it before. Cooperated, gave names, addresses. Yeah. I'll put some sauce on it. <laughs> Snitch ass. He knew their blood type. You, saw, you, did, that, you, know, that, you did that for the, for the, uh, for the jury. Yeah. Get everybody all hyped up. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, ooh. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, put some sauce on that. <laughs> <laughs> so, on April 26, 1989, the jury convicted Holmes of robbery with a firearm. At sentencing, the prosecutor, Peter Margrino, uh, the prosecutor, Peter Magrino, Asked the judge to sentence Holmes to 825 years in prison. Damn. To Al- death? Almost a thousand years. That's success. Oh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Come on. You like, it just will make you laugh. Like, bro, who's going to, I'm not Dracula. What are you, why are we doing this? What's nah, the point okay. of this? Like, but here's what he said. Magrino said that he offered an opportunity if Holmes were to identify the other two perpetrators, but Holmes had refused. So basically they, they offered him a deal, probably of like, Still crazy time, yeah, 20 but it, years, yeah. Years. But if you cooperate, you'll get. We'll offer you. It's a deal. That's what he said during sentencing. He's yeah. like, I offered him some kind of deal. He probably didn't go into detail because it probably still was a shitty deal, and he wouldn't identify the two other suspects. Which again, as a defense, if you would have put said that earlier that he has done that in the past, then that point is negated a little bit. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Well, he didn't cooperate because he doesn't know. He also said that the reason he asked for that much time is that he wanted to assure that he would die in prison. That's what the prosecutor said. Mm, okay. He wanted to make sure he never got out. Right. So what he said was, this is a direct quote. He said, the reason for my recommendation of an exceedingly high number of years is to ensure that he won't be released while he's breathing. Damn. That was said by, you know, prosecutor Magrino in court, in open court. Um, again, friend, this was an armed robbery. And he was identified as a man who pulled up at the scene from a distance and gave an order, basically. So even if your assertion is that he's the ringleader, 825 years is fucking insane. He didn't put a gun in anybody's head. No. He didn't steal the car. He just kind of came with an energy that seemed like, and I'll get into he, but the, the person who pulled up came to the scene with an air of like ringleader, boss energy, mm-hmm. you know, as if, you know, the, it was their plan or something like that. But they, they didn't put a gun in anybody's face and they didn't get in the car and steal the car. This, if, they're, if you're saying this guy's the third guy, which they're saying, they're saying Sidney Holmes is the third guy who pulled up in a car and said, hey, guys, just steal the car. He didn't steal the car. He didn't run up on them with a gun. 825 years is crazy. Even if you're saying, yeah, but you, you, you're the boss. Yeah. That's still, in, nobody died. Nobody died in this. 825 years. So, 
Holmes' high-powered defense team sought a sentence of 40 years. Keep in mind, this guy is asserting his innocence. He's saying I wasn't there. He has four witnesses that said that I was at my father's house for, for Father's Day, and his defense team is fighting to get him 40 years in prison. That's the best they can get for him. That's what you're hoping for is 40 years. Fuck that. So their argument was that it would likely be the same as a life sentence. So their argument as the defense team is like, listen, he's going to die in prison of this regardless, right? But how about we give him 40 years and he'll probably die in prison anyway, but maybe there's a chance he won't. His defense team is That's his defense. They're saying, what they're saying is, I know you guys want this guy to die in prison. So 40 years, like, I mean, he's 22 right now. Black people, unhealthy, probably eating Mm -hmm. chitlins and shit like that. So he'll be dead by 62. So it's basically a life sentence. It's basically a death sentence anyway. Are you on my side or their side? That's What's yeah, good here? question. I bet Sydney Holmes sitting there like, what the fuck type of shit is this? You're like, no, their, their arteries are clogged and stuff, eating all that jambalaya. You're like, come on, bro, just making up shit. You know, racist. Veins all full of black IP goop. You know, like you know, this guy's not making it to see seventy yeah, years yeah. old. So let's give him forty years, and you know, that's basically like he's gonna die in prison so anyway. anyway. Let's get eight hundred years. That's crazy. You know. Blood all thick and sugary from all that Kool-Aid water. You know how I'm saying, Your Honor. So my client, you know, I just say, how about we give him 40 years? He's going to die before that anyway, but 825 years? Come on, that's crazy. You go, are you, I mean, are you, thank you? Like, Baffled. What is going on? (laughs) It's like Twilight Zone. You're like, what the fuck is going on? Is he my my attorney? Like, what the fuck is, what is this? Man. Yo, bro, it's not what you know. It's what what you can afford, bro. You can only afford a fucking... A uh, court-appointed lawyer, you can get that great value. You get that great value, great value attorney. So we're coming in, papers all fucking. Oh, you know it's a wrap. <laughs> they come in, trip over the little br- the bench that swings open, papers fly. Around. I'm sorry, Your Honor. They're grabbing it, palming, grabbing it all in a pile on the floor. <laughs> sorry, they call you the wrong name. Hey, James. I'm going to fucking jail. It's a wrap. Hey, James, are ready for the case? That oh, my name is Sydney. Oh shit. Uh, gotta you gotta get a new you gotta get a, a new Manila envelope. Oh, up. Like oh, man. wrong case. Sorry. Now you know you know it's a wrap. Yeah, you know it's that it. guy comes in. Yeah, it's, it's a wrap. Pants, his pants keep falling down. Yeah. Gotta keep pulling his pants up. <laughs> Shirt all tucked, <laughs> untucked. I want my lawyer to come in. The suit is fitting clean. Man, come on now. The whole team. <laughs> so, like I said, his defense team is not doing a great job. They're oh, they're really? they're fighting God, to get him man. forty years in prison. So now, <laughs> check this out, friend. Judge Mel Grossman, being a reasonable officer of the court that he was, said that he thought the prosecution was demanding a, an excessive amount of time. Right. So he stated. I think 800 years is perhaps a little bit much. So he generously sentenced Sidney Holmes to a much lighter sentence of 400 years in prison. Oh, cut off half. He cut it in half to another number of time that like the world will be a completely different, um, an unfathomable amount of time. Like to give me 400 years is like, bro, nobody or will be, a, nobody will know this that happened when you no. There will be nobody here in 400 years. The descendants of us won't be here in 400 years. It'll be, every time a generation, 400 years? That's crazy. Yeah. So, and he thought, you know, I'm not going to do 800. That's crazy. Do 400. So, Holmes' Holmes's conviction was upheld on appeal. He appealed it, obviously. I would appeal it just off of 400. It's crazy. I'm like, that's enough for me to, I'm going to appeal it because I'm innocent, which yeah. I'll get to. But I'm going to appeal it. 400, come on, that's crazy. That's not an unbiased court. Like, f- sentence me to 400 years? Nobody died? And you're saying I'm a guy that just pulled up and like gave an order? 400 years? Come on, man. That's wild, man. The, the, what I will add to that still doesn't change it for me. The judge did say that 
the fact that he was a habitual offender played a role because you know he had committed robberies in 1984 so basically they did they did the thing where it was like you're irredeemable you're gonna be like this forever and so you're never getting off you're never getting back on the streets it's crazy even if you go you've you've committed you've committed several armed robberies before give me 80 and give me a shot let me yeah let me go fight let me let me get eligibility for at 40 years or something like even if you're trying to be harsh i think that is harsh for a a career armed robber 800 years no hope like nothing they're like you're gonna just get me out of here don't even get don't even buy a calendar don't even buy a calendar and start scratching off days because it's a waste of time it's a waste of pen ink it's a waste of calendars that's fucked up man. it's yeah they want don't count anything you're here forever he's on trial as being the third guy who pulled up and was like take the car take it here 800 years absolutely is insane anyway so like I said, his conviction was upheld on appeal. He sought post-conviction relief on two occasions, seeking a sentence reduction, but was not successful. Sidney Holmes sat in prison for over 30 years Damn. until in 2020, when he contacted the state's attorney's conviction review unit, which is also known as the CRU, claiming that he was factually innocent of the armed robbery charges against him for, for, uh, against two people outside of a convenience store. So the crime in question. The CRU found that there was no evidence connecting Holmes to the robbery besides a flawed identification of him and the vehicle involved in the robbery. The CRU found that the witness identification of Holmes was likely a a misidentification, partly due to the the photo and live lineup practices commonly used by law enforcement officers at the time, which are scientifically unreliable, according to the state's attorney's office today. So basically, they're like, you were convicted on poor tactics which were common practice back then. But today, if any case came across our desk that were doing these things, th- there would be not be a conviction. So after, de- after determining that, that the case should be reviewed, Ariel Denby Berger, the assistant state's attorney in charge of the CRU, asked Seth Miller, who was the executive director of the Innocence Project of Florida, to represent Holmes during a joint reinvestigation of the case. IPF attorney Brandon Sheck and IPF staff investigator Amy Carr began tracking down and interrogating witnesses. On February 20th of 2023, Denby Berger and Assistant, Assistant State Attorney Sarah Greshman completed the final report of the investigation that concluded that Holmes's conviction should be vacated. The report noted that the results of the investigation conducted alongside with the IPF was presented to an independent review panel consisting of six individuals from Broward County, five of whom were attorneys. So this is on the up and up. This, this case, this reinvestigation went across a lot of eyes who knew what the fuck they were talking about, knew what the fuck law and all that stuff, and everybody agreed. The panel unanimously recommended that Holmes' conviction be vacated, and five of the six concluded that Holmes was factually innocent. So not just uh, they couldn't prove it, he didn't do it. Mm-hmm. So six people said this, wouldn't, this shouldn't have been a conviction, and five people said... Based on the facts that we have, it wasn't him. Which for me, if I'm Sidney Holmes, that one's way more important. Because there always will be doubt when it's, well, we, they did a bad job of convicting you. Yeah. But to say, based on the facts that are available to us, he's not the guy. That, and I need, I, need, I need them to go drag the judge in from, from 30 years ago, the attorney who said they wanted me to die in prison. I need them to come in and tell me this. Yeah. I need those people to say, look me in my eyes and say, you're innocent and you were innocent when we did this to you. And I'm sorry. So I know people don't always can't always get that. 
and also sadly they never will a lot of times because those people will stand in with they, in their decision. Oh yeah, that's what will happen. A lot of times people go and you know the the news will go mm. and they go, "This guy was released." Like, do you have anything to say? He's like, "I stand by what I did." I you know I still think that they're guilty, despite them being released from prison. And people saying that I still I, I I'm not good. I can't admit being wrong. Yeah. So you'll never get that satisfaction of like, I'm sorry, I made a mistake, which is enough to drive me crazy. <laughs> you know, you know, you know, you did this to me. You took my life 34 years. He was doing it. I was doing my job. Yeah, man. My job's to close cases, baby. Close cases, stamp them, close case, close, move on. Yep. So the experts suggested that the post-crime discussion that Vincent had with his brother who became convinced that he had been victimized by the same perpetrators, likely distorted Vincent's memory. During the reinvestigation, Vincent was interviewed. And during the interview, he said that the third driver had never gotten out of the car. So this is years later. Yeah. So, and that changes everything. Because originally you said you got a, the driver got out of the car. So you go, if you say he was 5'6", he was this, whatever, then you go, okay, cool, we got a good look at him. Right. But now for you to come in now and go, well, he never got out of the car. Because you don't know a shit about a height or <laughs> weight or anything. That's such a, again, it's like, it's a small detail on paper in the car, out of the car. But you can't describe a person sitting in a car, their height or their weight. So that's huge. Again, it's like tan, brown, sedan, coupe. It's small, but it's not. And again, this is why witness testimony is so unreliable because those little small details, I'm going to take what you say about, I took 30 different, based off you saying he was uh, black and whatever, and yeah. I made the these decisions. Yeah, all that doesn't matter anymore. So like they said, uh, if, you know, if, if Vincent is now saying that the driver was in the car, that calls into question his ability to describe the height and weight of the man. Vincent said during this very same interview that he did not remember what the driver looked like and that the person that he identified, who was Holmes, could have been either one of the gunmen. So now you, this whole case was based on you saying that Sidney Holmes was the third guy. Yeah. And now you're saying he could have been any of the, I don't know which one of the guys he was. That's crazy. So then if you're saying that now, then it's like, what does the brown car matter? Because if you're saying, they, they based all this stuff around this brown car, it's like, well, if he wasn't the guy driving the brown car, you're just saying he could have been any of the guys? Yeah. So it, it just, the whole case unravels. So uh, like I said, he said that thing about it could, he could have been any of the people involved in the um, crime, mm -hmm. not just the third guy. He also said that it happened so fast, it was like a dream. You know, this, the confidence is really going away. It's not, it's not confident like it was in 1988. <laughs> It's like, I don't know. It was all a blur. It could have been this guy, that guy. I don't know, man. I don't want to hear anybody after I didn't serve 30 years in prison go, I don't know. Could have been this. Could have been that. And this is the star witness? Yeah. It's like, it when he was sitting across from me in 1988 and I was 22 years old, my life was on the line, he pointed, me, and pointed at me on the stand and yep. said very confidently that I was the guy. Yep. And now it's like, could have been this. Could have been yeah. that. I don't know. It was so long ago. Okay. I've been lived, I lived so much life yeah. in Cedar Point and France and all that. I've done so many fun things. I've <laughs> thrown shit in his face. Just, that little shit hurt you. You know what I mean? I got, I got kids. Yeah. I got so many kids and grandkids and stuff. I can't. I'm sitting there boiling. I've been looking at a cell wall, writing, marking a calendar for 832 years on the thing. Mm -hmm. And you talking about uh, going to Knott's Berry Farm and, and shit and all the fun you didn't have. So you can't remember that night. That night is burned into my brain. That ruined my life. Ruined my fucking life. You're like, oh, I don't even, man, what was it? Father's Day? Yeah. I've had so I many fathers. So I've had so many Father's Day and Grandfather's Days and just how I lived such Crazy. a life and family. You're like, oh, fuck you. I could murder you. <laughs> <laughs> murder your ass. What if I steal your life? Oh, how my about that? God, man. Oh, I just can't imagine being in this situation. Uh, I'd, I'd be pissed. Yeah. So on March 9th of 2023, an agreed motion for post conviction relief was filed by the CRU and the IPF. 
And on March 13th of 2023, Holmes' conviction was overturned and the case was dismissed. Holmes was released more than 33 years mm. from the date of his conviction. From 22 to 57. That's a lot of fucking time, man. 22 to 57, this man was in prison. And the first person to embrace him after walking out of court as a free man was his mother, who thankfully, you know, hadn't, didn't pass away while he was in prison. He, yeah. he, he, he didn't lose that moment. So Sidney says that he refused to give up hope. Despite the prosecutor, oh, God, I wish they would have, they should have, it should have been mandatory for the prosecutor to be there. Despite the prosecutor telling him after his sentencing that the only way he would leave prison was going to be in a body bag. Good thing he didn't take that deal, man. Good thing he didn't take the deal. I mean, I, I don't know if you can even have conviction relief if you, if you, no, you know, that's I mean, it. Yeah, he, you agreed. So that was the story of Sidney Holmes, a man who was sentenced to 400 years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. A nonviolent crime. Yeah. And still, 33 years of his life was stolen away. Wow. Can't get it back. There he can is. sue and maybe try to get some, It doesn't matter. That's, oh, that's a every time, bro. He's, he was 20. He was a baby. 22 years old. The li- your life, whole life's ahead of you. Yeah, maybe you got 20 left. 57? Based on them, they were like, he won't even make it to 62. Let's give him four. His defense was like, he'll be dead by 62. Damn. Now you went and lived a prison life eating all that bullshit. Is that prison the average food for It's lower. It's lower now. It's lower than oh. like the average. Oh. Let's say the average is like seventy five. Yeah, I don't, which I don't know, but it's lower than that. Even if it's t- sixty seven. That's what I'm saying. Oh. I don't know, but I'm saying it's lower than the average. So it's like the average life of a man, the average lifespan of a oh, woman. Oh, okay, I see what you're The average lifespan of a black man and the average lifespan of a black woman is lower, lower than, than the average, average lifespan. Of a man, okay, got yeah, it. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, if it's 75, it's lower for him. And he did 30 years in prison eating all that bullshit food and stress and all that terrible medical treatments and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, they took, not only did they take, take years away from him, they took years off his life. And now it's like you're 57. Go out and live. It's like live what, man? I got. I'm. I'm spending. He had a beautiful moment with his mom, and they got some catching up to do. But like he's in society, doesn't know what to do. Got no kids, no family, nothing. Mm. They stole his life. Stole his life, man. Yeah. They stole his life and then give it back to him on the tail end. It's like somebody taking your soda, but you just got to sipping and enjoying it. Like, Can I get a little sip? And they and swig it. And it's just the. It's just the. It's just the backwash left. Yeah. You give me the backwash left. You're going to put me back out in the world 57 and go, hey, man, go ahead and live. And I'm not shitting on it. I'm not saying if you're 57, because I already know it's going to happen. If you're 57 years old and you listen to this podcast, 50, you got a lot of life to live. Yeah, yeah. But it's, I'm saying they stole uh, so much of his life. Yeah. You don't know how much you got left. You don't know how much you got left. And now you got to try to make, you keep 57, you can't go out and join the basketball league. Or, you can, but it's, you know what I mean. For yeah, You're not yeah, dunking. Yeah, and, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. not the, it's not the, the 20. Come on, bro. He's 22 you're years prime, old. Prime physical condition. At 20 years six old. Six foot? They stole... He got to be... He, he could have been six foot in his prime life, dating women and living life. You got... Man, come on. You know how rare it is to be six feet tall? Yeah, man. It's a commodity these days. Yeah, absolutely. So he, they stole that from him. They stole his six footness. He still got it. He's just old. He's yeah, an old gentleman now. Exactly. That's my point. He still, he still got life left. I'm saying, if you're 57 years old, you're not old, but they but stole a lot, a lot of the... They stole a lot of he the pie a, from he him. He was still a child, man. He was still a baby, bro. He's twenty two years yeah. old, man. Shout out to Sidney Holmes, man. I would love to sit. I would love to sit down and talk with him someday and just kind of let him tell his story, you know, and 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 hear it and learn from it and see because if that person can find optimism in life, anybody can. If he's able to look on the bright side and yeah. find joys, even if it's a small joys, whatever he's doing to keep himself happy, fresh out of prison, he's been out of prison for about a month now. 
whatever he's doing, I hope it sticks and I hope he doesn't he's not consumed by um anger and resentment and I frustration. Be, man. You tell I, all the time I, I, I can imagine get I mean, out and it's like we're gonna cusp of World War Three. <laughs> now nah, you get out shit is crazy. Nah, shit, you get out shit is insane. Nah, like, yeah, the, the world is heating up. Like you, you I might just go back. Yeah, and <laughs> it's almost rat aliens. You come out. It's like it's like it's like the whole. It's all. It's like, no, it's, it's crazy. Been the headline, you know? It's been four hundred <laughs> years. No, nah, you went in eighty nine, and you come out now. It's like, what do you mean aliens are coming? The world with China. You're like, man, nah, this shit is crazy. A balloon. Like, what do you mean? I saw a balloon. <laughs> they shot the balloon down. So yeah, man, the balloon might have had aliens, and you're like, man. I can't handle this. I'm my brain. My brain is exploding. They go. I know. Now check it all out on this box that's uh, uh four inches long yeah, and it has no the buttons. whole everything you in it. Got no buttons, but on the side, you go, man. What is? What like, happened? It's a phone. You're like, man. Can I just get to a, to a phone booth yeah, and call my girl? Booth. You're like, I don't know. What is a phone booth? <laughs> no, Gotta learn me, everything. No, oh. Put me back in the. Put me back just in. Put me back. Put me in, back man. in, bro. I don't want to get attacked by. Can aliens. I go in there and like live a luxury life? Yeah. Can I? That's you know. So, uh, no, I wouldn't want to do that. But I'm, that's something. That's you know. Offer me some. Offer me some relief, man. Hey, can I get like? Do you have like two cells? Let, let together, me get. Yeah. Let me like, get some. A couple years of some rent, leap, rent free living. But I can go. I can come and go I as can I want. Come and go as I want. Yeah. Yeah. I'm already institutionalized. Just let me be able to. You know. Leave. I want to bring a guest over. I want to bring a little dame over to. The, that's crazy. Trying to negotiate with the, the warden. I'm just saying, you know, I feel like y'all owe me like three years of not paying rent. Something. But let me come and go. Yeah. You know, I bring a little filly. My cell is never closed. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's always open. I come and go as I please. I get good food. I can bring all the TV size, I want, size TV I want to hear. Yeah. You know, I bring a little filly if I want to bring over, you know. Dude, can I live like that? Y'all owe me something. Yeah, no. Like, no, here's a bag of the stuff you had when you came in here in 1989, which was like a, a dumb, dumb lollipop <laughs> and uh, <laughs> a wallet with no money in it. Right. And your driver's license that's expired. So, you know, enjoy. Good luck. So I hope he sues the shit out of them, everybody involved, yep. and he gets a couple million dollars and can go off and go be in Boca Raton, retire. Try to like catch up sometimes. Try to <sighs> catch up. Something. But that even that part, that's so scary and sad to me, the idea that like you went to prison when you were 22, so now you're 57. And even if they give you money, like you didn't get to go travel. You don't, it's everything's scary to you. What if you never got on the plane? Now you're yeah. 57. You're scared to get on the plane. Now you got the resources to do the stuff, but you go... That wasn't the life I was living. Right. So now you just go, I'm going to get me a little bottle of Crown Royal. Yeah. You just live your simple life, your 22-year-old life that you were living. So you don't even get to, that's why experience is so important. Like, they took your experience away. Yeah. So they give you, they took your experience away, they give you $5 million, right? What are you going to do? Go buy a house not far from the neighborhood you lived in growing up. Yeah. Give money to all your friends that, you know, barely remember. Lived a, lived yeah. more of a life of than of not knowing you than knowing you. Yep. Let's say they knew you from the time you were two years old. So they knew you for 20 years. You've been gone for 30. 30 yeah. You're a stranger. Yeah, but they'll come familiar. around. Yeah, you know Come on, man. You know we went to middle school. And I don't know you. I know you now. I don't yeah. know you, man. I'm just, you know I'm fake. You know it's fake. You know it's fake. The last thing I want to do bro, is be 57. I haven't 57. to you at all. And you know, let her. Whole life. Yeah, nothing. you did nothing. It was like, come on, bro. Like, we should, can you buy me a dirt bike? Remember middle school when you were shooting paper balls? Like, man, I don't want to be sitting around talking to people about shit I had when I was 11 yeah, memories, years old. Yeah, memories. <laughs> when y'all were child. When y'all were so you can use me? So you can use me? Come on now. But you don't have any memories, though. No, that's sad, bro. That's crazy. All I'm just go to the park. It's like, I'm 57. <laughs> my back hurts. I got to get an AARP card. You talking to me about slides. and <laughs> Come on, bro. That's so sad, bro. That's so sad. The way you said it like that, that made me so sad. He don't have no memories. You're 57 years old. You don't have any you memories. Have no memories All your memories is like, man, remember when Ice Dog got stabbed in the quad? You're like, just terrible, right. man. You don't want to remember these things. 
Remember we used to go to ice cream truck, get popsicles and stuff. I was like, that's all I guess. Yeah, I got that. Got. And like, man, one time I was in the weight room and a guy came in, took a weight and wrapped it up in a towel and just hit this dude so hard his brain came out. You're like, hey man, we we just then you the guy trying to be his friend. You're like, we could talk about something else, man. I don't want to hear about that. Like, yeah, man, no, his brains was everywhere's nightmare. You're like, damn, bro. It's like that's all I got. That's all I got. It's fucking, that's so fucking sad. Oh, we got to reform the criminal justice system, bro. We can't be having people out here living like this. This is insane. All you got is like grandma's cookies yeah. and just pain and fucking torment. And Man, one time I saw a guy heat up a bunch of baby oil and just threw it in this dude's face because he heard he was a child molester. You're like, man, that's... That's your memory of your Christmas memory. Like, what do you everybody go around the table nah, for Thanksgiving? Like, what are you yeah. fond for? Like, family. I man, I remember I took all the kids to Disney Disneyland yeah. this year. Like, well, man, last year. I'm thankful for not to see two <laughs> men. <you know? laughs> it was crazy. Coming at you in the darkness with a uh, soap and rope, soap and a sock, you know, and you gotta fight for your manhood. You're like people, you hear forks hitting the plates and shit. You're like, everybody face all disgusting. Oh man, I'm not hungry anymore. <laughs> Mood all ruined. <laughs> Oh, this shit is so sad, bro, man. Shout out to Sydney Holmes, bro. I'm sorry. That's so fucking fucked up, bro. He stole oh, so much of his shit. life, man. Oh, my God. That's fucked up, man. Hey, what we're gonna, Jesus Christ. What we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and we come back. It's Fran's turn to get into some fucked up shit. So stick around. All right, folks. So me and Fran actually had a discussion off air about his story and the length of his story. And it's, it's, it's a long one. And we want to make sure that we're not... You know, going overboard in the time. We're trying to, you know, be a little bit more conscious of that these days. So this is actually going to be a one-story episode, and then next week's episode will also be a one-story episode on the side of Fran. So I just wanted to uh, prepare you guys for that. You also might be hearing one-story episodes a little more often in the future, just because they're easier for us to crank out and get ahead, so that we can guys can provide you content in a better way, get maybe get them to you earlier and things like that. So just be used to this uh, type of format. And I uh, just want to give you guys a heads up before we jump into the good vibes, which is what we're going to do now. That's right, folks. It's time to get into some good vibes before we send you off into the world with, uh, you know, nothing but bright pos- prospects and wide eyes to make great things happen in the world. Fran, you want to kick things off? Or you want me to kick things off? I'll go first, man. Uh, I'll go- my good vibe this week is about Shah Sasun from South Korea. Okay. Had to take her driving theory test more than 900 times. I mean, you should get that's like SpongeBob level. Yeah. Damn. 900 times and her practical tests and her practical tests 10 times on top of that. Oh, so that's just the the like stop signs in this and st- the theory is like knowing knowing how to drive, not driving. Yeah, the book test kind of. I guess that's better, but still 900 times is crazy. That's it's wild. the same questions every yep. time. After failing her first test, I'm sorry, after failing her first go around in 2005, she began taking the test five days a week for three years. <laughs> It's now, the same questions every time that and, they ask. And remember, you got to pay for this. Is not for oh, no, nah, that's crazy. This, right? So she was taking this uh, the test five days, five days a week for three years before moving on to taking it twice a week. She had to cut back until she finally passed. She needed to drive to continue her uh, uh, her vegetable selling business. Uh huh. So she never gave up. 
which is a character trait we can all agree is pretty admirable. For sure. Her driving instructor said, when she finally got her license, we all went out cheering and hugged her, giving her flowers. <laughs> this was like a holiday. Yeah. Right? She's been uh, coming there every day for <laughs> years. Yeah. It felt like a huge burden falling off her backs. Off our backs. Yeah. We had yeah, it. We, we yeah, she didn't have to come here anymore. Right. We had it. We got to give a ride. Yeah. <laughs> Hadn't uh, had the guts to tell her to quit because she kept showing up. Yeah. But he was making money off her. Yeah. Like, like, but I mean, at, at some point, for me, it would get frustrating because you, you have to be a teacher. Yeah. And they, you have to be the a person that gives the test. And you go, listen, it's the same. It's the same order listen, as when you came here yesterday. But 2005 to 2023 is like... She's it got been, different. She's been keeping me a job. Yeah, no, it's, no, no. she's keeping this whole driving school in business. She's our number one customer. Right. We don't get many return customers no, in the driving school. None. We, we get none. So, um, so all in the test calls, shots are soon 11,000 pounds. Mm. Uh, how much is 11,000 pounds in? in pound? 11,000 pounds is probably like uh, $13,000. Is it? Maybe 14,000. You can look it up, but I, I think it's a little, it's close, but it's. The pound is worth more than the dollar, so the the dollar would be a higher value. I, I think. Let's see. Thirteen thousand. I got it. Thirteen thousand. Thirteen thousand. All right, I'm pretty much on the money. Thirteen thousand. I'm good. Yeah. Well. Um. Well. Damn. That. Yeah. Well. Good. Yeah. That's a lot of money. You know, for a test. Again, yeah. I, I don't want to keep reiterating, but I feel like I have to. It's the same test every time. So eventually, even if it's like, yeah, man, she's keeping me in business, and I was able to buy like a boat with all this money. <laughs> But like, Tip as a money. teacher, at some point you go, listen, baby, it's the give same. Up. Give up, or you start you start trying like, hey, listen, just so you know, number five is the same as it was yesterday. You know, so you got this. Maybe she was like, the one she was passing, the one she was struggling on. She kept studying and forgot the ones that she was passing. <laughs> but then they kept flip flopping back and forth. We can't even get in the mind of this lady. Times. This is insane. This is insane. There's no excuse to make, Fran. She, she failed the test 900 times. But she then, she passed it. So you know something? Never give up. Yeah. You fall down 900 times, you get up 1,000. You find down 910 times, you get up 911. Yeah. And on that 911 time, she passed the test. Yeah. So that's awesome. Never give up. Perseverance, tough, tough, tough heartedness, mm -hmm. and don't have a can't quit attitude. And yeah. I respect that and I appreciate that. Fran, my, my story of good vibes this week is about how sometimes gold digging can be a good thing. Oh man! So uh, it's about an amateur. <laughs> it's about a go an amateur gold digger who found a huge nugget was worth one hundred and sixty thousand dollars in Australia. Hmm. So an Australian gold digger turned, which is a you know a hobby, I guess, uh, turned up a stone weighing ten point one pounds, more than half of which was gold, and one of the largest finds in recent times. Um, it's the kind of photo that one would expect to see from the 1850s in black and white with the man wearing britches and a wide-brimmed hat and uh, a bandana around his neck like he was going to go hunt for Tarzan in the woods or something mm -hmm. like that. Uh, but even though in, it's 2023, experienced prospector Darren Camp says he never he's never seen a rock like this before in his life. Uh, he said, uh, when it hit my hand, my drop... Oh, I don't have an Australian one today. That was crazy. I don't even... I don't want to do accents what today. What was that? I don't know what that was. That was crazy. When it hit my hand, my jaw dropped with it. My jaw dropped with it. This is what Camp told CNN last Tuesday. Uh, he said it was just incredible. Once in a lifetime of a find. Uh, Camp runs Lucky Strike Gold, which runs recreational prospecting trips into the gold 
into the gold-containing regions of Australia known collectively as the Golden Triangle, a profession he's been engaged in for 43 years. So it's not a hobby, it's a job. He is a gold digger. The finder took the rock to Camp's shop, believing there might be a few dozen grams of gold inside. It was very dirty, but after they split it open, Camp described the gold just oozing out of it. Uh, I don't like that word, ever. Uh, the media called the finder. It was money, that's what it was. What? That dude was oozing out. Yeah, it was all that money. It was just, all money. Yeah, all money oozing out. Uh, the media called the finder an amateur, but equipped with. Excuse me? Yeah, right? There you Yeah, he, he said equipped with a Mind Lab Equinox 800 detector with a price tag of $800, he probably had more than just beginner's luck on his side. You know, because, you know, those Mind Lab Equinox 800s, those, don't just, those aren't just falling that's on not, trees. That's not something a, 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 a beginner. No. That's not a beginner. Me with a metal detector finder, is not finding a. a, a $160,000 worth of gold Don't call me an amateur I'm a professional I found one of the biggest pieces of gold in recent memory Put some respect on my name <laughs> uh, The largest gold specimen camp ever found Was a 24 ounce piece Which now would be worth around $46,000 At current market price So he does this So shout out to, um, shout out to this guy uh, uh, Darren Camp And him finding this giant gold nugget Out there in Australia And yeah sometimes gold digging it can be a benefit you in your favor, you know, and so that's good. Shout out to him. Yes, we have the time. I guess. Yeah, huh? If you have the time, if you have the time, he's if a professional. You, so he, this is what he. Yeah, does. that's what he does for a living. He's hoping on those. Yeah, those high highs. Like you might not make any money for years, yeah. and then you make one hundred and sixty thousand dollars. You know, or you're barely scraping by off doing little tours and shit like that, and then you hit the big, you get your nut. Yeah, one hundred and sixty racks. Yeah, you know, so that's cool. Shout out to him. <laughs> um, let's see. Before we get out of here, um. Uh, recommendations corner Fran uh, I am pretty caught up On Snowfall Okay I think I'm Maybe an episode behind But man It is I was holding out I, I, was, I don't know why I was hesitating To get back on the train I feel like an idiot It is so good This season Such a good fucking season Snowfall is a great show um, And um, I've Thousand Pound Sisters Is over Okay A lot of things Caught me off guard That I did not expect I talked about Tammy Lost weight. Um, found a boyfriend. She's talking about having kids. Hmm. Um, so I, she really has really turned a new leaf this season. She still is an insufferable person, and I don't know if I feel confident that it'll last. But she's losing weight under medical supervision. She's not really doing it on her own. Really, she's doing it like in a, a facility. Okay. But still, she's losing the still weight. Help. She got approved for surgery, and she's got a boyfriend, and they're talking about having kids. Okay. Good. Um. So yeah, it's just gonna give you a little update on the thousand pound Thanks. sisters. Appreciate that. Formerly, <laughs> not that anymore. Probably somewhere around like. 600 pound sisters so shout out to them doing their thing progress is you know all progress is good progress and uh yeah those are my those are well, were my two shows that i was watching and now i'm just watching snowfall and i'm slowly getting into luther which i've been enjoying good uh, man. how about you? you you watch anything recently um the kids been taking over the tv sure so you watch what they watch i've been though? watching a lot of um coca melon no a lot of uh ain't that watching it. oh sorry a lot of uh miles morales Oh, um, Spider Man! Spider Man! Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 Max. That's that's his. He 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 identifies. That's his thing. That's beautiful, man. You know, let's take let's take let's let's take a black boy <laughs> let's take a black boy joy moment because yeah. like that's that's I mean I think Miles Morales is like half Dominican, half black. Right. You know, so yeah. he's a half Hispanic, half black kid. Yeah. And how cool is it for you to see something that you didn't get to have as a kid, which was like 
not you know we can pretend like we're Bruce Wayne and we did all that stuff whatever yeah. you know and Peter Parker and stuff but we weren't right. to see a guy on TV that you you go I really like that's me yeah. like I, how cool is that to see that it's dope it's dope because he he understands Spanish yeah so he loves it man he loves Spider Man just in general but he really loves that movie because we because it's not on any it's not on, well it is now yeah it's on Amazon because you got to pay for it got but it they took it off Netflix it's not on. None of that. Into the Spider Verse, right? He hasn't seen it, so I was like, "Okay, when it came out, he I don't even think he was. He might have been a baby, or yeah." But it's like I was like, "Oh, I, he! I know he would love to see it because he hasn't seen it yet. Right. Sophie's seen it, but got it for him. He sings the song, yeah, and he loves Black Panther. Black Panther, so he yells, yeah, know, Wakanda all over the place. And it's like I don't know if I told you this before, but like him just being like sucked up into this superhero thing uh-huh. is like. It's cool to see. It's yeah. Cool to see because like I didn't I, I was into it when I was young, but not like him. Like yeah. he was like a mask and fucking running around yeah. all over the place. He's yeah. that small. So it's like it's dope, man. So I'm glad he's Spider Man is his guy. Yeah. If he was to pick one, it's Spider Man. For sure. It's probably Spider Man, Black Panther, and the Hulk. Yeah. Those are all his those those are his guys. All but the Spider-Man, color all the color folks. Spider Man is his dude. Spider Man is his dude. Yeah. I think that's awesome, man, because I just look back at you know all the times where we got a glimpse of those kind of moments and it didn't last very long. Like Static Shock was like the coolest show in the world to me. Yeah. And yeah, then it just didn't they didn't keep it going. No. I guess I, it didn't it didn't reach the masses. Right. And at that time, diversity didn't really matter as much. So they go, I don't know, this this isn't getting as many views as right. this show, yeah. as Yu-Gi-Oh! So cancel it. But they didn't know what that meant to like kids who were eight like me and you no. at the time and it's like seeing a, a kid wearing some Jordans and like fresh clothes yeah, and talking like us yeah, and yeah, yeah. had powers and just see yourself in, in art Yeah, and I just think that that's dope that he gets to see that that's so cool like you know you know that you know that that's a thing yeah so yeah that's 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 cool I, I'm, I'm happy that you get to see that that's cool and I'm happy for him that he just that's just normal to him yeah that's just the world it's just like yeah superheroes look like me yeah. that's not like a special thing no. You know, it's not, you know, it's just like normal. Like, yeah, of course, there's uh, superheroes look like everybody. Yep. Everybody can see themselves in a superhero. So that's cool. Um, oh, what? yeah. Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> my finger started spatting. Same button. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this has been another, my, my business. Uh, this has been another episode of Affirmative Murder. I've been Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Franco Evans. And we'll see you guys next week. Deuces.